1: everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I am Michael McCall. And I am Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And don't worry though, Steve will be joining us during the course of this recording. We decided to kind of get in early this week and get it done after the game. Steve's going to join us later on, probably from parts two onwards. But this is our special end-of-season show. It's the show we love so much. I do, anyway. I I really enjoy the end-of-season stuff, and I really enjoy our off-season shows as well. So I'm obviously disappointed that the Whitecaps haven't made the playoffs. But at the same time it's, it's kind of good for us. We'll have a, a lot more to talk about, I, I think. But yes, the week started badly for the Whitecaps on Wednesday. It was officially confirmed that the, the playoffs were done. They were not going to be making it after San Jose and Colorado both won on Wednesday evening. That meant the Whitecaps had a dead rubber against the LA Galaxy on Sunday. And I've used this in the start from, from a March report for the game, Zach. But basically, this White Whitecaps season, it kind of felt a lot like watching the US presidential election results come in this week. It starts off with a little bit of excitement. Then there's a little bit of, like, oh no, fear. Then, oh, it's a bit more, you're kind of positive again. Then there's a waiting game then it gets to a stage where you basically just want it to end and really then the presidential election and the white caps took two different forks in the road presidential election had a happy ending and white cap season obviously didn't but i thought that was a pretty fair analogy for it really
0: yeah that's interesting i think the the long and painful and waiting part i think it was i think it was i think it was right and yeah i don't think there's Too many celebrations or protests in the streets over the one-cap season.
1: I had some fireworks going off. I wasn't sure if that was because the season was done or if it was just some illegal firework parties. But there is some great news, though, from from the game. And I I think this is really worth celebrating. After the year that 2020 has been, it's, it's finished. We saw the last of Corona today, Zach. Is Joe Corona retiring? No, he got subbed off during the second half of the game. So we, we, we won't have to deal with Corona anymore in 2020. We maybe no, not even have to deal with him anymore in 2021. Oh, fantastic. Did he score against the Whitecaps this year? No, he did get sent off. So he, he got an assist for, for the Whitecaps, which when we're going through all our stats for player of the year, he's right up there with, with one of your choices, I, I think is one of, the, one of the star performers for the team. We will come to that probably in part three, I think. But the game, MDS promised that they were going to go for it, they wanted to finish on a high, they did, 3-0 win. Yes, it was against a, a 10-man side in the end, but they were one nil up when it was 11 v 11. Two goals for Freddie Montero, possibly in his last game as a white cap. One goal for Lucas Cavallini. We're not going to go through the game very much. It's end of season. It meant nothing in the grand scheme of things, but just a couple of things just to talk about from it. First of all, let's talk about Freddie's brace. Do you feel that is the last goals we're going to see from him in a white caps jersey? Well, he is out of contract, right? Yes. Post game though, I was trying so hard not to laugh at this. He went, I still have one month of my contract to go. Did he say that? Yeah, he's got one month to make his mind up as to what's happening and to deal with things. To make up his mind? I don't think he's making up his mind. Well, no, he did say it. Some of it's out of of his hands, and we'll talk about Freddie when Steve's on and we're analysing the players. But I mean, he signed off in style, two goals.
0: Yeah, good good for him. Uh, The one thing though, that I mean,
1: I I forget how many games he played this year. The Whitecaps played was it twenty-two or twenty-three? Well they played twenty-three plus one in the MLS's back that doesn't count towards the standing. So technically they played twenty-four. But he wasn't even there for any of those four. Um no. so yeah, so he I mean, yeah, he good game
0: today, you know, match winner, uh what do you call it? Man of the match, uh the the Colin Miller award. And um yeah, I mean, nice finish on his second goal, first goal, chest in across, whatever. Um but he did only score in three games right he had five goals but he only scored in three I know he had what was like five assists or whatever but um like it, it's not really not really enough I don't think like I, I don't think this season as as much as he was a contributor to some of their best moments like our, no question asked there I still don't think that you can you can bring him back especially uh, on anywhere near the kind of money that um, that he's currently on. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see them. I don't see them bringing him back. I, I, I could be wrong. I, I just don't think, uh, I don't think the, the numbers are going to work out for him or are going to be what he wants or, or better than what he can get elsewhere. And, um, I think that's, what's gonna, I think, I think even the can play it that way or Axel can play it that way. They yeah. can say, Look like we'd like to bring you back, but we want to bring you back on, you know, this amount, you know, and then he'll say, and then I can
1: see him saying, "Thank you for the offer, but I know I can get that plus X somewhere else." Yeah, but I mean, he, he can. I mean, five goals and five assists in sixteen games—pretty good, unless you delve into it and you see that before this game, he had no goals or assists in six of seven games. So it's when you break it down like that. I mean, we'll get into that a little bit more when we're we're kind of doing the individual player analysis. But, I mean, good for him to, to finish with two goals. And the last goal of the season was a, a lovely finish from him. Kava as well got his sixth of the season to to win the Mabilio Golden Boot Award. So, I mean, that, that was a good thing. Those were all pluses from the game, along with a, a couple of big saves from Evan Bush later on in the game. And we'll also analyse Evan Bush's kind of impact on the team and what his future might be but ultimately what that meant was the Whitecaps missed the playoffs by three points I know it's points per game it's a little bit harder to kind of work that out if if we kind of look at that though San Jose got the eighth and final spot in the west 1.3 was their points per game but they only finished three points more than the Whitecaps, who ended up with 1.17. So it looks a big difference, but really it boils down to just being one win. And I'm sure we can pick through the season and decide, oh, they could have got points here or there. And of course, the annoying thing is, when you break it down that way and you look at the fact that we were just three points behind San Jose, you then look at that collapse against the earthquakes of the MLS's back tournament that took three points from us, gave it to San Jose, massive swing there, that, again going down its simplistic ways, is what really cost us a place in the postseason. season Meaning they they finished the season with 9 wins, 14 defeats and no draws in MLS regular season play, they did get that draw uh, against uh, Sporting Kansas City in the MLS's back, but that doesn't count. So, I mean, 14 defeats turns some of those, Zach, into wins and you're looking at a whole different, or not even into wins, but into draws and you're looking at a whole different possible tale for the Whitecaps.
0: Yeah, every season is like this, right? You you look back on moments where you could have picked up more points or maybe you've dropped more points and that would have impacted where you finished in the standings. Um, that's no different this year for Vancouver and it's... Uh, probably just as painful as normal for Vancouver, um, you know, th- this year, especially with the uh, the rule change coming down when it, you know, when it when it did. Um, yeah, ultimately, I think. I, I mean, there's a saying, you know, the table doesn't lie, right? And even though it's a points per game table, I, I still think the table doesn't lie. Yeah, and uh, I I think that they they probably ended up. You know, you know, where they where they should. Can can I say one more thing about the from the game today? Sure. The, the one the one thing I want to say about this because I think there, there's the the the, cyn- the cynical or negative way to look at the game and saying, look, you're playing maybe the worst uh, problem, most likely the worst ever. La Galaxy side that's ever existed. Uh, they played what a- almost an hour or forty, what, almost fifty minutes. Yeah, the- fifty minutes. Down are up a man. Okay. So the cynical side could say, of course, they won 3 0. They're playing the, one of the worst teams in the league and they were up a man for over half the game. But on the other side of that, I think they need, I think both the players and the coaching staff need to be given full credit for like coming out in this game and actually working for it. Like they actually fought. Like in, the, I think it was the game before this, it felt a, a little bit like the, not maybe not the effort, but like the, the 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 will to win, the desire wasn't on the same level as it was on a day like today, and that's I think in large part due to the coaching staff getting them ready for for the occasion for what it was and for going out and performing the way that you know they would like them to perform on a regular basis, and so I think they deserve credit on credit for that, but um, yeah, as you said, not enough uh, not enough to make not enough to make the, the points per game playoff table.
1: Yeah, uh, it must have been so disheartening. And MDS said it, it was. The, the players were pretty down on Thursday after knowing that, that that was the season over. I mean, you had all the, well, they won't they play with, with LA and San Jose. And then I watched that game. And as it played out, it was just, it was horrible sitting watching it. So as from the players, I don't know how they must have felt. So they were down, but they picked themselves up. They wanted to have pride in their, their final performance. And and I think they they did that. And it has been a season with a, a lot of adversity, and that is something that we will touch on in this show. But just to, to kind of look at the standings in the West, Sporting Kansas City ended up top in the pile, 39 points in the end, the same number of points as Seattle and Portland, but their points per game was better. They played 21 games, Seattle played 22, Portland played 23. So they, Eric Hurtado did well for them today. So they, they've won it. The top four... It's Sporting Kansas City, Seattle, Portland, and Minnesota. So that's your seeded teams. And then the other four teams from the West making it in is Colorado, who only played 18 games in the end, but still managed 28 points. Then you've got Dallas, LAFC, who are seeded 7th now, which is crazy. And San Jose Earthquake getting that 8th spot. Now... I jokingly asked, just to, to get any clarification on this, what happens if one of those playoff teams gets COVID in the next week and they get kicked out? Would the Whitecaps get a chance to come in as a, a late replacement? No. So all hopes are done. That that can't happen. If a team gets COVID now, that's them gone, sadly. So let's hope that doesn't happen. It feels like it's going to be tough to get through the, the playoffs without one team suddenly being, being hit with this you've got 18 teams in the playoffs this season that's 69% of the league and the Whitecaps didn't make it into that 69% which when you break it down like that that's it's like more than two thirds of the teams got in and the Whitecaps aren't one of them so that puts a different shine on it Zach
0: Yeah, uh, I'm proud of you you didn't make a joke there
1: So having a quick look at the East, just before we kind of wrap up our standings chat. Supporter Shield winners. Philadelphia Union. 47 points from their 23 games, finishing three points ahead and point one three points per game off over TFC. 10 teams making it in. Montreal sneaking in. Kind of sneaking in in ninth place. We'll come to them shortly. Nashville. The team from the West finishing 7th in the East. Maybe they should have had just an overall table of points per game for for East and West. It was a whole unbalanced schedule. If you look at it that way and the top 18 teams were going in, the Whitecaps would get in in 17th because they had a better points per game record in the end than Montreal and Inter, who made it in from the the East. You're You're stirring the pot, man. Well, it's... To me, if you've got an unbalanced season and everything's just all up in the air like that, why not just have a final schedule like that? Because the White Cats ended up playing teams from the East. They had six games against teams from the East. Actually, seven, because they had Chicago and the MLS his Cup. So seven of their 23 games were against teams that they couldn't take points from. That's just ridiculous. Then they didn't play games against Colorado, Minnesota and Dallas who did make it into the playoffs. So they couldn't... Well, you've got two sides of this. They couldn't take points from them, but equally they couldn't take points from the Whitecaps. So you're kind of bouncing that up. But I mean, the whole season wasn't fair. So I don't know. I don't want to sound like sour grapes. And I'm pretty sure they'd have been bounced in one. It just... I think it would have been nice for them to do it. But there are two Canadian teams in. So I mean, we've talked before, and we'll talk some more about the adversity that the the team have faced with being away from home. But it's been the same story for Toronto and for Montreal. I and mean, they've both managed to overcome that adversity and get into the playoffs. Now, I watched the Montreal game today. They they really just needed a point to, to get in against DC. But they trailed twice. But then they fought back twice and then they ended up taking the lead for the, for the 3-2-1. I, I think it's excellent. And when you look at the fact that they... Uh, like the Whitecaps, they've been playing away from Canada. Big achievement for Montreal, and also TFC Zach. Yeah,
0: um, it was nice to see Montreal get in today. Romel Kyoto got that late winner for them. Um, uh, I think you saw you tweeting about Thierry Henry and his reaction.
1: Yeah, I jumped on the the post game with Thierry. We'll play a little bit of that in a in a sec. But I mean, it, I think it's with everything that they've been through as well. And the fact that he came out and said that he still feels they need a true number nine striker. And if someone's going to know about a team that needs a striker, it's a guy that was one of the best strikers in the world. So, I mean, you look at a guy like Kyoto who's banging the goals in, but he, he feels that they need that and that's going to get addressed now in the offseason.
0: Kyoto, the weird thing about Kyoto is he's not a real number nine. Yeah. Um, like he's, he's been more of a... I mean, they've kind of converted him to play more centrally. Again, who... You have a great mentor there, Thierry Henry, who did kind of the, uh, the similar thing, right? Um, going from the wing to playing in the middle. So you're hopefully you you kind of assume he's learning from uh, someone who's a, essentially a legend at, at, at doing that. Um, it's interesting when you listen to people from Montreal talk about the season because um, the 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 vibe and. Uh, the kind of the the feel the overall feel of listening uh, to people in both Montreal and Vancouver talk about their season and the hardships they've had to go through and all they had to go through are quite similar. And it's almost like they they both feel that they both had the the worst possible um, things to face in MLS this year. It's almost like they're. Uh, you know, in a battle for who had it, who had it worse? Because um, when I listen to some people in Montreal talk, they they feel definitely that no one's had it worse than the impact.
1: It's like it's like the old Monty Python sketch. I don't know how familiar you are with that. but it's all the old men sitting around the table where they're saying, "Oh, like when I was younger, we used to have to to bath in a tin bath in front of the fire," and then the next person would be like you you had a fire. We didn't even have a fire. We just had to, to wash ourselves just standing in the cold. And then the next person would be like, you had water. So I guess it's like that. Very, very much
0: like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think they had a very difficult season. Uh, Montreal, like we said, didn't really provide Thierry Henry with the true striker. Wanyama, although he scored a goal today, I think has been of a bit of a mixed bag. I mean... Uh, more pro than con, but it, I think he hasn't uh, maybe <laughs> no pun intended, but impacted things the way that I think uh, many people would have thought. And definitely I think the club, their club would have hoped for. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but um, no, I think it's it's good for them. And, and they are the kind of team that as much as I could see them going out in the first round, I could also see them making a run because mm-hmm. they have uh, aside from that true, true number nine, they have a, they have enough pieces, I think, to 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 do some damage and to catch some teams out. And if you know, like Kyoto plays at his level or above, if Bojan, who's uh, you know, a tremendously talented footballer, especially in comparison to many players in MLS, if he if he can turn things on, um, and then you obviously have like Wanyama and Piet and um, you know. Uh, Obviously they have the young keeper, but you know, they, they do have I think they do have a potential to to do some to catch some people out. Obviously they lost big pieces, uh, Bush and Diop and yeah, Tider and, and all that. But
1: Piet kind of... got sent off today as well, so he's gonna miss the their first game. Does that impact the playoffs? Yeah, he got sent off in the ninety-second okay, so... minute. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I missed that. Forget about what I said about the making. About <laughs> yeah, that that was a tough blow. But I mean, yeah. But you've got a winning mentality, and you've got a winner in charge like Henri. I mean, that that's going to help boost the team as well. So let's just round this section off by just playing you a little bit of the post-game audio from Thierry Henri, just with his thoughts sort of making the the playoff and the battle that this season has been for the impact.
0: I'm wondering if you could please address the 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 character or what your what your team showed you down the stretch, trailing by a goal, and if you could also just talk about. You know, how important it was. You, you talked about making the
2: playoffs.
0: Uh, now that it's finally accomplished, how important was that, in fact?
3: Well, very important. We said it all year long. Uh, the story of the game is a bit of the story of uh, our season. Uh, we had to battle to go through. Not an easy game, as you saw. They disturbed a lot of team recently. Uh, and we were losing a lot of time. And we had to come back again. And we had to battle again. And so we did it. So... The character of the team, I said to the guys at the end of the game, it's nothing to do with tactics, like I said to you all the time. If the desire is right, then you can perform. And the desire was right, although you still can um, obviously get better on a lot of stuff. But When the desire is right, things goes your way.
1: I, I know yeah. this is just part one of what you're looking to achieve this season. You've made it into the playoffs now. But can you maybe just take a little bit of time just now to kind of reflect on what this year has been like for the team to come through this adversity, to be away from home for so long and to still show that fighting spirit today that you want the season to continue. Can you just talk a little bit just about what this this season has been like for you?
3: Uh, in, in all fairness, it's difficult to talk about it now because the emotion that went through the game, uh, up until 20 minutes to go, we were not in. 20 minutes after, you, you have your destiny in your hand because you win the game. But you guys know what we have to deal with, what everybody has to deal with, uh, not only in sport, but in life. It wasn't easy at all. But tonight, today, shall I say, sorry, we showed character. And I keep on saying it since the beginning of the season. Forget tactics. i say said it so many times. You know, you obviously send your team with a plan because you have to, because you play against some, someone and because you, have to, you need to have a plan for them to know what, what they need to execute. But when the desire is there, like you saw tonight, that's that's for me the most important thing, and that was there. You know, it was a difficult year, yes. To go in details into it, my mind is all my mind, sorry, my head is all over the place right now, as you can imagine, going through that uh, that game and changing the system so many times. You know, to see how we could change the game, um, but you know, the thing that comes uh, back for me is. Uh, that, that group suffered a lot this year and uh, to have something to look at and say that, you know, at least we are in the playoff and let's see what can happen next, that's that's
1: very good. So Thierry Henry there, just sharing some thoughts. Just a final bit for, for this section, Zach. I watched every game, I think, apart from the when there was two in the one day during MLS's back. I was really into it. I was excited for it. Since it's come back, I have not watched as much MLS football as I did in the summer and I, I don't know really what the main reason for that is but I, I'm excited for the playoffs it is disappointing Vancouver's not there but I mean do you go into this excited or are you past caring about that really
0: yeah I know I don't I honestly I don't have a lot of excitement and similar to you like I have not I've not watched a lot of like live full MLS games this year like I have in previous years um I uh and I have to Mm-hmm. So it's not for lack of access. I have TSN, so it's it's not like I can't watch it easily. But um, no, most of my football focus has been watching a lot, a lot, a lot of Bundesliga, which
1: has really been awesome. Last thing we'll say about MLS is a little tidbit that Jake Norinsky gave up in his post-game chat tonight, which was, I was asking the guys some questions about what's next for them and stuff like that, whether he was going to to be staying in Vancouver. So he's going back to New Jersey because obviously you don't want to get caught up in more quarantine and have to, as he said, stay alone in my little apartment on my own while his wife that he's hardly seen is back in New Jersey. But he did say, and then it looks like we're going to have a longer than usual off-season, which is kind of indicating that MLS, their plans are going to be not a March return and maybe they're going to wait till the pandemic kind of calms down a little bit. Maybe they kick off with another kind of MLS's back tournament or something. That would be certainly be interesting. If they want to have a foolish, semi-normal season, how long do you think they can wait? Can I just clarify? Was that foolish with a U or with a double O? No, sorry, foolish. <laughs> foolish schedule. Sorry, yeah, foolish is, is 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 accurate though. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I guess. If you had a really intense MLS's back tournament, so it's longer, then you could maybe do that. But maybe they're maybe they're going to look at a shorter season again next year. Who knows? Let's just hope they somehow find a way to make it more balanced. Because right now, it's hard to see the season not starting with the Canadian teams just playing each other over and over again, like we saw in August. And so yeah,
0: on. totally. If it was going to begin in, in end of February, beginning of March, yeah, I, that, that would that would seem like the, the the way it would probably go. But um, how much, like, I can see them saying, hey, we're going to give you guys an extra break. Or I can see, like, Jake's involved with the Players Union and them saying, hey, like, uh, we know it was a shortened season, but, like, these guys need time with their families and, and you're going to need, you know, I can see them starting late because they're going to say, hey, you're checking in at the same time, but you're going to have a two-week, like, a proper two-week quarantine, like, at the beginning. And, you know, but... How much? How much later can they go? Like I, I can see know. April. I can see starting in April, maybe. May, like or like maybe May. But then again, you're. It's not going to be a thirty four game season. I don't think.
1: Anyway, I'm sure we'll be talking about that in the off season. That is it for this part. The rest of tonight's show is going to be looking at the White Cap season. We're going to be handing out our end of season awards. We're going to be having our look at who should stay, who should go, who should get loaned out, stuff like that. We'll be also adding some panda style to everything as well. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're
2: listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's tonight's song by this month's Artist of the Month here at AFTN, English band Idols, with a song from their second album, Joy, as an act of resistance, released in 2018. And that was one of my favourite songs from the album, one of my favourite idol songs altogether. That was Never Fight A Man with a perm. I used to have a perm when I was younger. My mum used to perm my hair. But yeah, let's not get into that. Let's just get back to the football chat. And I'm delighted to say we're joined for this part by Steve Pander. Welcome to the show tonight, Steve.
4: Thanks for having me. Yeah, I had to take that, you know, that, you know, that annual uh, one hour shower to cleanse myself of the white cap season. So that's the that's the reason I'm late getting on the show.
1: So this season. We touched on it there that the Whitecaps finished with a record of nine wins, 14 defeats. Those nine wins, one more than last season, having played 11 games less, giving them a win percentage of 39% compared to 23% from last year. Now, we're going to talk about positives and negatives from the season. Obviously, the big negative is that they didn't make the playoffs. But, I mean, Steve, you've got to look at that. And take that as a positive. But everything they went through to get nine wins, I mean, it can only be a, a good thing to take from this season.
4: Yeah, and especially with the lineup that they had and everything like that. Um, and like you said, they, how many? Game, they, I think they played uh, one game in front of a, a supporters at home. Um, add another yep. three games without supporters, so that's a total of four games, and they and they were able to pull off those many victories. That's it's it definitely. Uh, and you know an improvement over last year, the only issue that you have is that they weren't in a position to get a lot of draws because most of their losses were like by two to three goals. a lot of them I'm not I, yes. I maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like a lot of their losses were by two three goals, so they weren't even in a position to get those draws that would have helped them and boosted them up in the uh, in the point totals
1: no that's that's very fair and Zach last year when we did our end-of-season show and we spoke about MDS and everything like that, we said we needed to see improvement. Obviously, nobody knew exactly what kind of weird year 2020 was going to be, but I think we have seen improvement. I know there's going to be some fans out there that feel there has been no improvement, but we've got more wins from less games. We'll come to the negatives, such as the defence and stuff like that as well, but we've got a couple of guys that seem to know how to score. We've got a core to build the team around. And last year, bottom of the West, this season, ninth out of the 12 teams in the West. I'm doing my positivity stuff. First of all, I mean, do, do you take it as positives to take from this year? Do you, do you see it as an improvement for the team?
0: Man, it's it's hard because, you know, it's how can something not be an improvement on last year? Because last year was really... Um, but like, also, it's a pandemic year, so it's like uh, that's in part an excuse for things maybe not being as good as they they, they could have or should have been. Um, but yeah, I get. I mean, it, it, it is totally fair to say that. Yeah, like you said, there are some there are some promising signs. Um, I think Lucas Cavallini uh, didn't have the campaign he probably wanted to miss the MLS back to tournament. It was the two red cards. I want to say, uh, or, or a red card and, a you know, accumulation. Missing yeah. It was
1: just one, one actual red.
0: Yeah. So, but missing, I think he missed too much due to, to the, you know, discipline. Um, so, and then he missed a lot of chances, including a lot of penalties or a number of penalties. Um, so, uh, he, we got to see glimpses. I think of what he's what he's capable of, and I think that is a positive. Uh, but it, it it's hard. It's it, I think it's hard to see. It's hard to see things as a, as as a, like super positive because they have still yet uh, or continue to f- fail to address the biggest concern in the team, and that is and that is the midfield. And it's, and obviously the major piece in that is a creative attacking uh, person who can uh, both uh, be the, the one that the person that the play goes through and is the, the main creative force in the side, but also someone who themselves can score goals. Um, but it's not even just that, like that is the biggest, by far the biggest need. If they brought it in right now, I don't know if the other pieces that they have are good enough to be a six and an eight, right? If, if you bring in a 10. I, I don't know if they're at the level that they need. They need to be. They've shown glimpses of it. Uh, they have some promise, obviously, with with Bald, Baldissimo, which I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about him today. Yes. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, it, they just don't feel good enough in, in that sense. And so it's hard. It's hard to feel like it's hard to feel positive about things when there's so many negative things. And then you, and then and then the pandemic is supposed to be this kind of like. Neutralizer or make everything feel okay but it but it really doesn't
1: well it's certainly not a neutralizer when there's a lot of unbalance and you, you've you got the you, you've got teams that can't enjoy home comforts and you've got teams travelling on the day of a match where they have to leave by a certain time of day and then they've got hours to just kill in a hotel in a foreign city so I mean there's certainly I, I, I don't think it was an equaliser of teams because some teams certainly had it better than others i mean we touched on this in in the first part steve which which you won't have heard but if you look at the adversity toronto and montreal faced that similar adversity but they both managed to, to make the playoffs is that too simplistic a, a way of looking at things that they were just better at coping with it
4: they had a better uh overall team lineup and um <sighs> And also, I think the East is a little bit weaker than the West I mean, in, in some ways. Um, the other thing is, you were talking, you're, uh, you're probably talking about the unbalanced schedule before. This is unbalanced playoffs. There's 10 teams that make the, the, yes. the East and eight teams that make the West. Like, who came up with that? Like, what, what's the point of that? that? That makes no sense either. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I don't think Montreal would have made it if it was eight teams. Are they ninth or tenth? Or They were ninth. Yeah, so they wouldn't have made it if it was an actual eight team playoff like it should be. Like, I don't understand. I I just don't understand that concept of why one, I I understand they have two extra teams. Yeah. Totally get that. But that still doesn't make a difference. Like, you take the eight best teams. Just because the conference has two extra doesn't mean it hasn't happened before. There's been other years where there's an extra team in the West or something like that. They didn't add a team to the playoffs for that. So, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me why they would do it. Um, But overall, I think that those two teams are better um they have a more balanced team and the and the key crucial thing for me and i've said it all year long they have a better midfield both of them they have a competent midfield that can both play defensively help off the back line and also be able to attack and be able to um uh, build the attack and get the ball to the people that can score
1: yeah I mean, that's that's definite. I, I think the, the imbalance from the East and the West as well was just any added chance to get David Beckham's Miami side into the playoffs, and it, it worked. So the, there we go. I mean, if you look at the White Whitecaps season, you can basically break it down into four parts. And we're not going to do month by month or anything like that. We saved those, obviously, for our, our December shows. But you had the first two games that were played pre-lockdown. So you had two games, a home and an away game, one win, one defeat, played in front of fans, some normality. Then you had the big break, then you had MLS's back, so there was four games played there. Then you had this weird, just travelling, playing Canadian teams, two of which were in the Eastern Conference. So you had six games there. So that was like 12 of the 23 games played, so just over half of the season. And then you've got the 11 games where you're away from Vancouver, you're based in Portland, you're playing some in Portland, you're playing some elsewhere, you're travelling, everything like that. They had three pre-seasons, Mark likes to kind of mention a, a lot. So I mean, it is tough, and if you break down that schedule a bit further, only six of the 23 games were against teams that didn't make the playoffs. So it's a pretty tough schedule. Those were three against LA Galaxy, where they they won two and they they lost one. And they really should have had two wins and a draw there. Two against RSL and one against Chicago. You also had six games against the top three teams in the West. So, I mean, again, that's a big chunk of it. Touched on that earlier, we didn't get to play the likes of Minnesota and Colorado and Dallas and, and take points off that. So I mean, there's certainly arguments that that you can make, Zach, uh, about all of that. But I mean, ultimately, if you look at where it went wrong, it boils down. There's no sugarcoat in it. We just went simply good enough.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Even in the high moments of this of the season, or even in some of the high moments of the season, like it was, the football was not like anything to to write home about, and the results were. Even some of those results were like not like not that not not that impressive, I guess. Like, yeah, you nicked a game away to LA, who turned out to be an awful team. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, some of some of the MLS's back stuff, like it was encouraging, right? But the, like it wasn't like a yeah, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't the, the quality of football hasn't been, um, I think because of the limitations in the squad, the quality of football has not been the kind of football that people are hoping for, nor the kind of football that MDS has talked about,
1: um, or at least uh, holistically. Well, talking to MDS, let's bring you a little bit of audio from him just now. He spoke to media on Friday. That was his his first chat after the, the White Caps playoff hopes were officially ended. So I'm going to bring you a little bit of audio where he's just going to, Touching on analysing the season, but in particular, what's next, what should be next. Let's hear just now from the gaffer, MDS. I think most of us know why and understand why you couldn't get the consistency that you wanted with the team, with everything that you were going through, having basically three pre-seasons, everything like that. But I guess you could also simplistically look at it that in the last two games, yourselves and Colorado both had to play Seattle and Portland. They managed to get six points. Whitecaps didn't take any. Is that just too simplistic a way to look at it?
2: Yeah, that's that's a fair way to look at it like that. And I, I didn't even look at that, you know? that uh, you saying it like that, it's also very fair. I don't think the fight was between us and Colorado because Colorado and the per- points per game with the so low amount of games they played was uh, was fair to say that I think they had a lot of the chances to go in. Our biggest chance, chance was uh, San Jose, uh, so I was more focused on that. Uh, I think, you know, us Seattle and Portland, there's also the schedule that is very different. Uh, We played that Seattle game in a very unfair scheduling that I was very vocal about. Uh, But the Portland games was no excuse. It was equal time of recovery, equal time to play. The only factor is both of the games were played at Providence Park, but there were close games that one team had more of that finishing touch than the other. Uh, but it also, it also confirms things that uh, we can't hide from and we have to become better at. I think this year, I feel that the amount of wins we had was going in the right direction. Uh, if, we, if this was a uh, 34-game uh, schedule, possibly we would have reached the 12-13 the uh, wins. But what needs to be better is we went from being the team that drew the most games in the West to the team that uh, didn't draw games. And that's a weird position to be in and very new for me. Uh, But uh, how can we change those losses where three or four are draws and now you're, you have the points to still be alive and fought for, fight for a place. It was hard to get uh, the consistency and the model of play that we wanted, but I think in the last two months, uh, apart from the LAFC game and maybe that, that Seattle game, we had a lot a lot of moments of uh, closer to what I think we have to be about in a more consistent way. You know, we've talked about everything this season that has sort of led you to where you are in terms of like having to relocate to another country, the unbalanced schedule, you know, going to MLS's back without so many players. That has also affected how you uh, sort of uh, assess the team I would imagine. Do you feel you had enough of a sample size to really figure out who you want to take forward? Yeah, JJ, it's been great. That part's been great and I've also been able to discover guys uh, during this period and know guys better and know kind of the leadership inside the group better. I'll tell you this, you know, it's it's hard to lose a goalkeeper like Max and we want to, Max is training and Max is being uh, involved in every exercise uh, so that's positive for the future, but then you get to discover a kid like Thomas in a pressure moment, you know, so that's very positive. Uh, or a kid like Michael Valdissimo that I wanted to loan out in the beginning of the year, and then uh, we see his, his growth as a player throughout training, and then I come in games, and he answers, and he... And he, he, he shows the big margin to progress also as a player. So all of those things were important. Uh, and yes, we assess. Yes, we have a very good idea of what we want to do moving forward. And always with the intention of making the team uh, better and the club better because the, the Western the Conference is hard. You always start with the five sharks that are LAFC, LA Galaxy, Seattle, Portland, Sporting, Kansas City. Every year they're there to compete for top space, top top spots. And then us, we also have to do what we have to do as a club to get closer, to get there all the time. So we're working on that. And at the same time, we're proud of the, the core that we have, the mentality that we have. And now we have to make sure that the guys that join have the right mindset and not only be good players, but also with the right character and right mindset for the group. Kind of what's the, not to look too far ahead, but what's kind of going to get a head start so you can start fresh? The number one thing we're focusing on right now is the responsibility that we have on those X amount of players that are going to join us for next, next year. In one of the spots, we have a DP spot that we're taking extremely seriously. Uh, so our focus, all of our focus are on those three, four key new guys that we need to bring to the team. And not only think talking about quality, but also experience, also personality that these players can bring, leadership, we're looking for all those tools. But then, of course, we're looking for a couple that could make our team, uh, I say, make our team tick, you know, in these key moments. And uh, our focus as of Monday morning is going to be to 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 do our exit meetings, medicals, uh, go through the process and the ending of this season and start focusing very, very well with... Uh, who's joining, and how can we become better? Kind of
0: just a a quick follow-up on that. You mentioned experience, and obviously, you know, a lot has been made of how young your team is this year. And you you talked maybe about, you know, how the inconsistency in results, how you have a lot of wins, but also how a lot of losses is something... Is targeting
2: veteran players, especially in those core spine pieces, something your your staff is really looking at this off-season? Yes, yes. It's, uh, you said everything that we're thinking. Yes, we feel that there's a couple of, even if we have spots for young DPs, and those spots we're working on to bring the best young DPs possible, but we need to have a few pieces that bring more maturity, more leadership in the key moments. That's important for us to move forward.
1: So the gaffer MDS there. And just before we talk about some of the things that came out of that, I also want to talk about some of the stuff that he said after the the LA game tonight as well. So he's mentioned there and after the game about the fact that they've got one DP spot that they are seriously looking at, at getting filled. Now, we're not talking young DPs. We're talking proper designated player. He's also kind of stressed the needs for experience the older player because they have got quite a young team and wanting to get something done within mls he said that last year when i asked him about it wasn't able to get it done might be even harder to get it done depending on border restrictions and and everything like that as well although you've got the flip side of maybe folk want to live in a a safer country but that's the, the whole other discussion we have to fill the, this DP role with an actual quality DP, Steve? It's like, we're talking, if we're looking at two or three, Ali Adnan, sounds like he might not be going anywhere. Lucas Cavallini, this DP has to be a difference maker.
4: Yeah, 100%. It's got to be somebody that can elevate the players around him. Uh, and The position is obvious uh, which position it should be. Um, somebody that, and, and, and that will improve players like Cavallini and and uh, Dahomey and all those other players around him. That's what you need. You need a guy that can run, run the attack, but also be a solid leader on the pitch too, to bring everybody up. Um, like a, I basically essentially a Freddie Montero type, but more of a playmaker than Freddie Montero is. So, but but it's some it's somebody in the midfield, somebody that can go. You want a guy that can be uh, play like a number 10, but uh, also have the athleticism of a guy that's box-to-box, that can help out in the back as well. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it's clear where the gaps are, and MDS has talked about three to four key spots, and we'll delve into some of those when we're looking at who should stay, who should go, stuff like that. I mean, he talked after the game tonight about needing to grow, having to be better, he said, we're not a team that is good enough to go on the pitch and only play at 70, 75%. They have to be switched on 100% all the time. And we've talked about that in previous years. That is tough to do week in, week out, to be at your very best. We talked about that during Robble's time. Robbo talked about that. And it's like now, all these years later, we're, st- we're still having that, that discussion. What is maybe surprising to some but I think another positive is I asked him if there's a bit of relief that the season is over and he gets to spend time with his family and he joked well I hope my wife doesn't listen to this but no I'm just in full recruitment mode right now I am just focusing on building this team to be better for next year and I think Zach that's all the fans want to really hear In one regard, but the proof of the pudding is in the eating and you really want to see that delivered with some key players and the actual players that we want and need. Yeah,
0: my understanding from my conversations with with Mark are that Mrs. DeSantos is a very understanding woman when it comes to um, his uh, commitment to his profession.
1: Well, I think she'd have to be. I mean, when, when I spoke to him earlier this year, his advice to young managers was don't get married.
0: Yeah, which, yeah, there's a tangent I, I won't take on that at this moment. But, um, no, I mean, yeah, I think people w- are, will be encouraged to hear that. Uh, and that's proper. That's, like, the way it should be. That's what should be happening. Um, season's over, and it's, yeah, what, one, two, th- at least three months, or if Jake's right, maybe four months or more of, re- of, of recruiting Uh, better players because, yeah, it's obvious to everyone, including MDS, that the squad is not good enough and needs to be better. And um, he, uh, whatever his official title connection to that is, he plays a significant role in that. And, um, yeah, him and Axel and uh, whoever else they're working with uh, will need to do a lot of hard work um, to identify, if they haven't already, and bring in, uh, players and, and like we've heard from like people in like Toronto in the past, bringing in players is not, uh, it, it's, uh, it's not a simple thing. It's not like when you play football manager or FIFA and you, you click a few buttons and send a few emails. It's, it's more involved than that. There's more to it than that. And so, um, yeah, especially if they're going to bring in, like you said, Michael, like a, an actual designated player who makes more than, you know, a tam player can make, um,
1: yeah, I, I feel they have to make a, a, a big splash with this DP. I mean, everyone's going to want a player that they've heard of, and there's not going to be a guarantee that, that that's what it's going to be because we've talked about this so many times, I know, but a guy like Diego Valeri, how many folk would have had any idea who he was? Look at the impact he, he's had on Portland and throughout MLS. So it doesn't necessarily mean need to be a big name, just needs to be a guy that gets the job done. I mean, if, if you look at the needs of the team, MDS has talked about three to four key pieces. So we'll we'll discuss that in a little bit. But he wants the guys that join to have the right mindset. He said the number one goal is that the responsibility right now is that the X amount of players that come in that will join next year, that's what they're focusing on. So that's that's their main stuff. They're taking the DP spot extremely seriously. Out of the three to four key players, he's wanting to see quality, but also personality, experience, leadership, coupled with guys that can make this team better and more mature. So it does look like, Steve, that we've got a good young core. Now we're actually going to be looking at getting some of the older heads that can help get this team over the line.
4: Yeah. And you talk about three to four positions and there's, they're, they're very identifiable where the positions are. They 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 need two people in the midfield. They need a guy on the wing. They need a guy at fullback. Uh, like one of the two positions it depends on who, who's staying and who's going, but that's essentially where they need to improve and they can improve those four spots. Then they are a playoff contender, not a title contender at this point, but definitely a playoff contender. Um, and, and getting experience, we've said it multiple times, you, they need, do need experience. They don't need – I don't think they need that much experience. They need people that know how to win. And it doesn't have to be an older player that knows how to win. It could be a younger player who's been in an environment that's where the players won. And so they need that kind of mentality. They need that mentality where if they go down a goal, they're not going to hang their heads like they've done a lot of times this season where they can actually have that fighting chance to come back from those
1: Yeah, I mean, MDS also talked about looking to to fully utilise the young DP slots as well that's going to be changing next year. That's something I'm sure we'll delve in over the the course of the the off-season. But, I mean, we looked last week, Zach, about Kyle Lahren. Those rumours have started again. Where would he fit in? Would he be able to play alongside Kava? I didn't actually know. The last few games he's been playing out and doing really well with Besiktas on the wing. So he's kind of moved on to a wing role with Besiktas. I think it's four straight games now that he's got a goal as well.
0: Yeah, I don't have B in sports, so I haven't been watching those games. And I had I, I not known he was on the wing. Again, he does not strike me as someone with enough pace to be an that winger. But um, Besiktas, uh, the times I've watched Besiktas over the year, watching Atiba and stuff, especially in the Champions League, um, they do some things that are maybe not non... Um, not super traditional because they're they're trying to play to their player strengths. So maybe there's something that they see uh, to maximize either uh, Kyle or the overall team's uh, makeup and characteristics to in, in the way that they're doing. But um, yeah, I, I don't know, any of you
4: see him as a winger in MLS? Well the thing is uh, the it depends on like people you know when they put out those lineups it could be they could be lined up as a winger, but that doesn't mean he's gonna play like that when the balls in the you know the final third he could actually like cut in and be in the box at that point it's not like and then the fullback moves up and he's actually the true winger in that attack so it's it's a matter of you know you can line up however you want it's it's the same thing we i think we talked preseason about how Liverpool has three players across the uh, uh, the the front like, and you don't know who's gonna be the number nine or the wingers on a particular attack. Forget a particular game, uh, they they alternate and go back and forth. And one one time, Salah's the middle. One day, Mane's in the middle. And one day, Firmino's in the middle. You don't know who's the striker and who's the. And that's where I think they want to go. Of course, having Cavallini, you can't really do that kind anymore because he's not gonna play out wide. So, uh, so that's why. That's why I think, you know, if they want to bring in Laren, if they feel he can be a winger, but if they want to attack him as like a striker when they're in the attacking mode, then yeah, that maybe works. But I still think that I prefer a winger that can not only score, but also be able to curl the ball in. Because we saw it today. Um, I didn't talk, obviously I wasn't there for the game, but a couple of the crosses, you got guys kind of like Cavallini, Montero, and whoever replaces Montero, that can bang in the goals from in close. And that they were missing that for a lot of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if Larne can bring his form of the Schicktes to MLS from wing play, Kava up front with Larne on one side and Dahomey on the other, that's an exciting front three. And and if they have that number 10 that can get them the ball, then that really makes
4: them more dangerous too. So that's the most important part of what. It doesn't make a difference what you put up in those three if you don't have that guy in the middle to defeat him. Yeah, again, it, it,
0: this is a tactical conversation too, because if you if you want to play with true ringers and, and a number 10, you're going to need maybe two sixes instead of a six and an eight, um, to make it work in MLS, I feel, but, um, and again, I don't think currently the white Cavs have players that can do that at an, at, at the level they would need uh, to be successful anyways. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a bigger tactical conversation and this is where MDS and Axel. uh, have to or have to continue to work together on, on, on the recruitment side of things, right? There's a lot, a lot of conversations that go into, you know, making these decisions about which player to bring in and how they are ideally going to be used. Obviously, sometimes things change once they're in camp or in the team and, and, and you're figuring things out. But um, yeah, and, and like, you, like you, I think you both said, this is so significant, because, uh, yeah, I think they do – I think you said it, Michael. They do need to bring in – they're at a place where they need to uh, at least partially throw off their their old uh, old approach of, hey, yeah, we don't want to spend extra money on a name that's just a name that might excite some people. I think you're right. I think they do need to make a signing that will uh, not, be, not be more sizzle than steak, but, you know, there will be some sizzle with it. You know, like there will be some – uh, some kind of wow or drawing factor from that signing. I mean, probably to a different level than done before, even like, you know, like a, like a Kenny Miller, right? Like a a lot of people knew Kenny Miller. There was some sizzle to that, uh, probably more substance than, than this, than sizzle. Right. But, um, so something like that, but to the next, even to like the next level
1: yeah, I, I, someone like a Scotty Arfield could possibly do that, but I can't see him wanting to leave Rangers now with the, the season that Rangers are having. But yeah, it, it needs something like that. No matter who it is at the ad, if it's not somebody that folk have seen on TV, I'm, I'm sure they'll be shot all over by sections of the fan base. That's that's just seems to be how it is in Vancouver.
0: On, on the pregame show on the radio today, actually, they were talking about that, about, because, of course, Colin Miller's involved. Um, and they were talking about... Uh, Shad was on as well. And they were talking about the Arfield's name came up. Of course, um, uh, Colin brought it up and brought up the fact that I think Rangers won eight nil this morning or something. Um, but uh, yeah, the thing I totally forgot about him is he's 32. I think one of them. Said, yes. Which I was just like, wait, what? Yeah. I was like, no, he, then he, then he definitely can't be a player you're bringing in to like shepherd this midfield for longer than a year. So like, I mean, not not that some players can't do that at that age, but
1: well, I mean, Axel's made a thing about saying he ideally not players over thirty, but I do think he needs to change that and at least have a couple over thirty.
0: Yes, and like that's the thing is another 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 place another way that the the, the Whitecaps have been really poor is you do need to have some good solid MLS like caliber caliber players, right? Like you think back to you know Beta and Harvey, right? Like they were solid MLS players, right? They weren't necessarily totally world beaters, but they were at, like, a a high-quality level for MLS. MLS veterans knew the league, all that kind of stuff, really professional. Um, And you saw, I mean, you you saw, you know, what they, what you know, Jordan, how he contributed to LAFC later, and what Beta did with Toronto, and then LAFC, like, um, Vancouver has also not been good at getting that kind of player in. Instead, they've had, like, the Andy Rose, you know, like, Again, no offense to Andy Rose. I think he's a really nice fellow and can fill a number of of, of roles in the squad. But I don't think one of them is, you know, starter on a team that's going to be competitive in the league, right?
1: No, I mean, I'm a big fan of Andy, but when you've got him as your starting centre-back, That's kind of says says a lot about where your your team is right now. But that's changed as, as the season went on. That's it for this part. MDS clearly feels that this season has shown that the team can't hide from what they are and what they need to get to where they want to be. That's obviously going to lead to a lot of decisions about who stays and who goes. We're going to look at that in parts four and five. But coming up, we're going to hand out some of AFTN's end-of-season awards. Yes, it's awards time once again, and we'll be back with that and the first of tonight's three-of-a-kind selections after this
2: hi i'm lucas cavalini you're listening to the afd soccer show
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, yes it's back. Three of a Kind is back this week, where at the start of parts 3, 4 and 5, we'll play a song. Each song will be linked in some capacity. Your job is to try and work out what that link might be. And if you've figured it out by the end of the second song, try and guess what we're going to play to kick off part 5. So that was the first of this week's selections to kick off this part Going back to 1986 Australian punk band The Hard Ons With their debut single Girl in the Sweater It was originally a non-album single But you can get it on quite a few of their compilations Including the 1994 album A Decade of Rock Did it give you any inkling as to what this week's Three of a Kind connection might be? See if you can work it out after the song that kicks off part four. So let's get back to the football chat now. And before we continue delving into what lies ahead for the Whitecaps, it's time to reflect on the year that's been and hand out some of AFTN's end of season awards. The full awards, as always, will be up on the site. It's usually up in two parts, but some of the awards won't really be able to, to get given this year just because uh the way that things were, like, favourite away day. I guess that would be early in, in, in March then, that that would pretty much be it. But we're, we're going to hand out some of our usual awards. So we're going to kick things off with the big one, Player of the Year. The Whitecaps had their award ceremonies during the week, so we'll talk about some of those awards that were handed out. The Whitecaps Player of the Year and those awards were voted for by the fans, narrowed down by the media, voted for by the fans... Maybe not a big surprise in that case. Uh, best player Ali Adnan actually won there. The, I find this one genuinely hard. Because when I'm looking at criteria for player of the year. I'm wanting somebody that's been consistent over the whole season. Or at least most of the season. And we just simply have not had that. We've had players that's been good in bursts. We've had players that's been good in different spells, everything like that. I mean, Steve, did, did you find this an easy one?
4: No, actually, it was very hard. Um, I I kind of, in a weird
1: way, I want to give it
4: to a position um, because <laughs> the position was uh, manned by three solid, well, at most, <laughs> for most a year, three solid goalkeepers. I know five overall, but three. And so I would kind of share it with Crepo uh, Thomas Hassal and Yvonne Bush because they both, all three of them had very good stretches. If I think if any one of them would have had a full season, I think they would have been fine. So that's why I kind of want to give it to them, but I don't know if that even works. But it's kind of 2020, so who cares how, who cares no, how it's supposed to work?
1: That That's so, an interesting one, actually. I mean, Zach, what's your take on that? Can you give a Player of the Year award to a position where it's been shared by a number of people? And who, who's your selection for it? A couple of things. First off, um, in a when when it's
0: been such an awkward year, which no one, no one would argue that twenty 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 has been. Um, it's nice to see a creative idea like that, and I think in one sense, I think it's a I think it's a good shout at very very least. However, like we have talked about in the past, um, in past seasons, it is kind of awkward to give an award to like. Uh, uh,
4: yeah, I guess maybe not. Maybe that
0: is fair. No, you you
4: you usually you usually against giving it to a player of the game when they have no, such a bad game. No, I just mean I just mean like I, the caps keepers have been
0: have you know have been good. I just like when the team doesn't make the playoffs and whatever. Yeah, I guess, yeah, no. I guess like there's nothing else. You, nothing else really you could give it to. So I, I I definitely I love the creativity and I I would support that. Um, my my recommendation, which uh, my. Is well, I'm not gonna lie, is gonna be a recurring team, or at least for a couple categories. Is gonna be a player, I I don't know if everyone on the everyone's gonna know as well as some of your selections, but I'm gonna go with the guy uh, named Owen. Um, (laughs) Owen Goal, he had a great year. I think, I think he, I think he stood out uh, as uh, just a, a difference maker. How many goals did he get in this season? I can't even remember now. I think it was six. I think he had at least like three, four, three against. So he he both he played at both ends of the pitch, like
1: more more consistently
0: than than a lot of other players. So
1: yeah, I mean what one of the two big Irish guys that made an impact this year for the White Caps, I mean, you had Owen Goal and Al Ocation. Oh, that's my other one. That's my other recommendation. <laughs> See, we do was, we do get top name European guys. I was going to save that for a different different award. I wasn't who I thought you were actually going to pick for that, so that's interesting. See, when I was trying to work this out, I kind of I was looking at all different stats and and stuff today, and I've gone back and forth in this. I might end up actually going with what Steve said because I, I really again I like that creativity. I thought that was fantastic. We'll get some listeners' thoughts as well. We'll put it out on Twitter and get some. Some readers' comments and things as well. The thing is, I kind of—it's hard for me to give it to Max.
4: I might even just narrow it down to Hassel and Evan Bush because Max only—I think he only played three games. Was he injured in the first back-to-back tournament game, or was he got second? injured against
1: Seattle? So he would have played four games or three and a bit. Yeah, so it's hard for me to give it to
4: him. Uh, I would definitely do the Hassel for sure, and uh, Bush really played well that once he was acquired and yeah. started.
1: I mean, I was. Looking... But I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with giving it to Max, though, including him in the four. Yeah, I, I was looking at things like who scored. So, kava has got six, but you look at Kava and you think his discipline let him down big time, and he got better. And you're expecting more though than, than six goals from a, a guy that you've brought in as your your big DP striker. But
4: he, he didn't play in a lot of the games too. Like if you look at it, I think he, he only started 16, maybe. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 15. I had so. Six goals that over that, that. 17 games played, I think. I think it, going into today, I think it was, and six fifteen games started. Don't kid yourselves, each of those was a million-dollar goal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I oh, think yeah. I think over
4: over a full season, he might have hit that like gone past 10 for sure, like 10-12 goals. I think he would have hit that easily um and i think uh and you got to look at it too like like the games he really didn't look right when he the first he start, first started playing uh in the canadian games um when he was out east he didn't look right there he only got going once he maybe in the last game against montreal or or the game against Toronto. i can't remember which one and then really once they got back into the flow of things in the u.s that's when they really got going
1: well, that's understandable because he did miss MLS's back, and he's obviously going to be a little bit like rusty, not Tybert, and stuff like that. I mean, he he ended up playing an 18 start in eighteen, starting sixteen. That was his, his final starts there. Just a quick look. Then you've got Freddie; he got four goals and five assists on the the year. He was the assist leader. Christian Dahomey, three goals and three assists. One of the, the other big assist leaders was David Malinkovic and Ali Adnan also. Actually, Ali Adnan got another one today, so he got five today.
0: I, I thought the Colombian had five and
1: five. We put, did I say four? Yeah, sorry, I forgot he's got his second goal. Yeah, so it was five and five. I was looking at my stats before he got that that last goal today. So yeah, so I mean, freddy has got five and five, and I was very close to giving my Player of the Year Award nomination to Freddie, but what lets him down was that fact that he was streaky, and he had six of those seven games, as we talked about earlier, where he didn't have any goals or any assists. And if you're wanting a difference maker, it it can't be that. So, like, let's well, actually, before, for
4: for uh, I just want to clarify. For me, the player of the year this year is like giving an award to to an employee of the year, but they're all the employees are part-timers. Like, none of them really seemed like they pulled a full season in. Yeah. And it, I mean, it could be because the season was so split up or something like that. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't feel like a full season. So it's hard to give a season of the year. Maybe it's also the fact that none of them were like, none of them are difference makers. Not like, mm-hmm. not one of them are true different. And maybe some of them, like Montero, used to be a difference maker, but he's kind of past that. Uh, prime of, of being a difference,
1: so I think that's that those are the couple of factors where it's really hard to name a player of the year this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. So let let us know, listeners, what what you think. I'm not averse to to Steve's suggestion there of splitting it between the keepers. I mean that that's good. Some of these other ones are going to be a, a lot easier. And well, before we move on to the next one, actually. Ali Adnan, as I mentioned, he got the the Whitecaps official player of the year. What's your thought on him, Steve? Like, should he be in the conversation for player of the year?
4: Yeah, no, I agree. I don't have a problem with being a nomination. I understand why he won too, because it was like, like you said, it was a a fan vote. Uh, Some of those people might not even be Whitecaps fans that voted for him. They might be Iraqi national fans. Uh, But uh, yeah, no, totally. He's definitely, because he's had, he's in that group of, uh, Montero and Cavallini and all those other players that like you said that have had streaks where they've looked like they've played really well and there, there have been games where he was basically subbed off and was in showered and in the stands before the game even ended so th- yeah there have definitely been ups and downs for every single player on this on this roster was was it a was it
1: a vote on the website I missed like I missed that was it a Twitter poll like what? how did they do this it was definitely on Twitter but I think it was also on the website so yeah I mean, when you put things to the public vote, things usually end up in a mess, as I think the last few days have kind of been testament to, as have some of the decisions in reality shows. But anyway, don't get me started on that. Let's move on instead to young player of the year nominee. And we'll start with Zach for this one. I've got mine and I've got it narrowed down to two. I, I think we all, all three of us probably have the same choices.
0: Yeah. I mean, aside from
4: Owen and Al, I, I would go with... Um... Baldissimo. Steve? Yeah, Baldissimo for me. It's almost like a it's it's very little I know who the White Caps the was the, the vote for, but for me it's yes. Baldissimo.
1: Yeah. The White Caps, for anyone that didn't know, their official vote went to Ranko Veselinovic, Which is like that's one way to to justify the player that you've just signed. But although to be fair, there wasn't there wasn't called young player. I think it was most promising player. Yeah most promising that we've spent a transfer fee on and have to kind of justify it. But I'm joking. I do like Ranko. I think he's got a lot of upside. For me, it was between, obviously, Baldi and Hassal. But, yeah, Baldissimo, for me, was the guy that I think totally deserves it. He made 13 appearances altogether. Seven of them starts. One goal and three assists. And the goal that he got, which will maybe come to next, I I think that might be one that we, we kind of come to. But I think just Baldy's overall performances were great. It's a shame he couldn't play this final game because of yellow card suspension. That's something he maybe needs to work on, but at the same time, I've known him for years, I've watched him for years. All the Baldy's DC Mill brothers play the same way. They're tough tackling. They pick up a lot of cards. I wouldn't change it, to be honest. I I hope this has been the springboard for him to build on this and to to really... To, to really move on and we've talked about young players before and this will be another category that that will come to later that whoever we've ended up nominating their career is kind of sunk under that so i'm a bit wary about that but for a young player the the year i think it, it definitely has to be baldy uh
4: for me like yeah again yeah i agree with that uh, i has i thought it actually slipped my mind. I wasn't even thinking of a because it's been so long since he played. But he definitely would have been... If he had played the whole season, he would have easily been that... He would have probably taken both awards, uh, Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I completely forgot he was even a young player for some reason. It didn't even cross my mind. But for me, Baldissimo... The the how low they were at one point, especially when they were traveling out east um, in the Canada, uh, the, the losses that they were incurring, the way they were playing, and then when Baldissimo came on the pitch, he almost turned around the whole season. Um, if he had played more regularly, he would be up for Player of the Year too. For me, like like the yeah. way he had turned around the season, so I think he, he I think he should be definitely in the plans for next year. Um, and I'm not even just talking about roster plans. I mean 18 plans or starting 11 plans so he should definitely be in there
1: absolutely he's he's been outstanding and i definitely want to see more of him i'm going to bring this category just a little bit up now since we were kind of talking about that which is who is your white cap to watch in 2021 and this is the category that was talking has been a little bit cursed because we've we've done it for nine years we've had guys like caleb clark marco bustos davy norman there was some young guy, Alfonso Davies, that won it in 2016. And they're like, who, who talks about him anymore in a white caps capacity? Who you, was last year's? Oh, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I just looked it up. Last year, like,
0: yes. you know, get this, Steve, was <laughs>
4: <laughs> Jasper Kamiri. Oh, was it? Okay. Who did, I, I don't remember who I picked. I think I might have picked the guy that was loaned out. Uh, I can't remember. Gian, what's his name? Oh, Gianfranco? Fashionary. Yeah, that's that's who I picked, but because I, I thought that they might go a little young on the back end and be it like a, he'd be the fourth or fifth, but he got loaned out, so obviously he was going to be there. Um, young, the problem player to watch. I I'm gonna I'm gonna go again off the board, and I'm gonna say and Michael, you might understand this, Zach, you definitely won't, but I'm gonna say Ty Dillinger, a player that's not here. You know why Ty Dillinger? Because number ten. They need a number 10. So whoever they bring in as a number
1: 10, that's my Whitecaps
4: player to watch next year.
1: 10. 10. If you were watching our video recording of this, this would make a lot more sense. Not no, but because his gimmick was he was the he was 10. He was yes, he was the 10. perfect 10. So the perfect I, that's
4: why I, I use him as the name, because if, you, yes. I, if I have to give a name out, I'm going to name him because he's a 10, and that's what they need. A that's 10. fair. So again, well, I'm going to go off the board and give it like a answer that probably
1: nobody was expecting. I I like that you've been good with this. I mean, I Baldy obviously jumps out of this one, Zach. But I mean, anyone else that you think we is the player to watch from those that we currently know that we've got? Well, I was
0: not, I was going to obviously say Ty Dillinger. So Steve, Spock. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did a lot of wrestling uh, research for this. <laughs> okay. um, no, I mean, like, yeah, it's. I, the, aside from Baldy, I, I think and you've already mentioned him in previous categories it's Thomas Hassal I think is one um, because yeah, will he uh, I, I think, Michael, did you say that uh, MDS or Axel said that only one of Crepo or Bush will be here next year? I yes. Think Axel
1: yeah, Axel said Axel that. Said that. Uh, but we'll come to that in the next yeah. part. So if, that, if that's the case, I would hope
0: that Hassal, uh, assuming his head's good and all that, is legs good and all that, that he would be the number two uh, and he would get some chances. He would be a number two that they have confidence in to rest the starter uh, or to step in when needed, uh, you know, uh, you know, red cards and, and different situations. But, or, or maybe even given uh, certain matches, uh, like if there was an MLS back, maybe given the middle match in that or, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like, I think it's different than maybe some other seasons um, other than the one year where Tornagi was like the, the Voyagers cup keeper until the final, you know, some something like that where the, where the, the, he, he's, we know he's going to get a bunch of games um, or, or, sorry, a bunch, a number of games. And so I, I think he's one, definitely one to, to watch in terms of that. Again, assuming that one of those guys leave and he has, the, is designated number two ahead of Meredith or Meredith's gone and
1: whatever. Yeah. I, I would save my thoughts on that till we're looking at the goalkeepers in the next part. I, I'll, I'll pick Baldy for this as well, but we'll open to some, we'll open to I'll some. do, be my, I'll do yeah. be my first choice. Yeah. If I were to, if I were to
4: go to a player that's on, on the roster currently, I would actually go with um, Dahomey to see what he can bring, because he's shown flashes, and let's see what he can bring on a, in a full season, with his family in tow now, yeah, and so that distraction distraction's out of the way, and so let's see what he can do with a full off-season as well You're on
1: fire tonight, you should shower more often, Steve.
4: Yeah, I should <laughs> My wife tells me that too
1: Oh dear Right, let's get into some of the other ones quickly, because I don't know where this section went on me, but anyway, we've talked a lot, but Game of the season. Now, I mean, it's tough to to narrow down what your criteria for this would be. So let's just go straight to Steve, game of the season. Game of the season for me is like
4: uh, how I felt after the game, how the players felt after the game. So for me, it's the game against Chicago, the last group game where they were able to qualify for that round of 16 because they, they spent everything on the pitch um they were able to and the, and their reaction my reaction after watching them win the game um because i think previously that we said we had they had like a one percent chance of making it to the next round or something during the that whole week or something like that we said they had a one percent and so they the, the fact that they got it over the line uh for me was the probably the game of the year just because of that
0: yeah i i, I think it's just that's a good good shot as well steve um I'll just throw it in the ring. I'll I'll choose the the only Whitecaps win under normal circumstances in the year, which is the the away game to LA. I think the season got off to a very poor start with the loss at home, and I think um, I think Mark Desantis and the coaches and the players uh, again uh, fought really hard to get that, even if it was against uh, what turned out to be a really awful LA.
4: Uh, Turned out, but at the time, to- at
1: the point, at yeah, that it did- time, it was a
4: huge considered a huge. Oh yeah, rally. I mean they Even- had Chicharito, oh, who
1: you were thinking. Well, actually, we didn't think we said he was going to be a bust. But it's like when you've spent that money on a guy and you're playing that team, you're like, oh, like when you take three points from Chicharito
0: on the second game of his holiday, or his <laughs> tournament or whatever. Um, yeah, but no, I I think that that was uh, really significant for them and. Um, could have been something that you know uh, got them going in in the right direction uh, at the beginning of the season
1: yeah all very good I mean I'd I'd narrowed it down I had three games that I thought were in the mix from a positive side and one the game that I think is the most enjoyable to watch if you take any white caps things out of it was that 4-3 San Jose loss just for the batshit craziness of it I mean that that, but I would not not put that as our our game of the year the comeback win against LAFC a few weeks ago the 2-1 that was a good one the LA Galaxy win the second game of the season as well but I I agree I I went for that win against Chicago in MLS's back just because that just the comeback there was the lightning delay it looked like that was it all I I totally forgot about the lightning delay that was
4: yeah because there was more a story to
1: it yeah they came back whatever was said during that lightning delay and it's like they were on fire possibly because they'd been hit by the lightning but I mean that 2-0 win it was just they did what they needed to do wasn't pretty at times but I mean yeah I, I think I would go for that again listeners let us know your nomination for game of the season so we're, we're only going to do two more awards in tonight's show, and we'll, we'll do some more next week and some more of our fun ones next week as well. But I want to get to save of the year. So, I mean, Steve was talking up the, the goalkeepers there, so we'll come to him in a sec, but we'll kick this one off with going to Zach. Who's your nomination for save of the year?
0: Yeah, it has to be... Uh, it's kind of one of those shared ones, like with the goalkeeper. It goes to uh, Greg, Steve, and Jeff for the money they they saved on not bringing in proper dps
1: they I, you were so excited i thought you had a really sensible one but that is very funny <laughs> so i mean steve then give us a proper nomination for save of the year
4: the game against Ke- the in the round of 16 the back tournament uh has, thomas assal had a number of saves in there if you look uh, i think there was even a, a 45 min- second minute to it a 45 second to a minute clip of all the saves he made in that game. But there was one particular one, if you watch the game highlights again, when the cross came over, he was on the left, no. He, yeah, he was on the left post. He had to go all the way across to the right post and he was able to stop Kinda from uh, uh, heading the ball into the near post. And He had to basically go the width of the post on that cross in order to get across. So that's the one that
1: I felt like was
4: the, the
1: biggest save for me. Yeah, that's a a good shout. I can't remember the game, and I ran out of time today to look this up, but I seem to remember Evan Bush having a double or triple save in one of the last couple of games. So that sticks in my mind as save of the year. Every year we do this, and I'm like, I need to write these down over the course of the year so that I start to remember them, and I never do. So let's move on to our final award that we're going to cover tonight, and it's goal of the year... And let's go to Steve to kick this one off.
4: Yeah. So, I'm the obvious one it is. I'm going to let Zach announce it because I think it's basically all of us. But I'm going to give a couple of nominations to other uh, potential ones. Not They're not like they're not better than the one that's going to win it, but they are good goals. The Ali Adnan free kick, I thought yes. that was a nice goal that we haven't seen very often. And then a couple of goals that were not uh, spectacular goals, but they were like, like, huge goals in the wins and everything uh, it was the Cavalini goal against RSL uh, to get the two one win. And then the, the second game of the year, uh, the t- uh, Ricketts scoring against LA galaxy. That was a nice one because I think it was Raposo that actually kind of got it to Alianna and kind of curled it around a, a defender, got it to Ali who got to the, basically to the end line and then, crossed it back in and Ricketts' finish wasn't that easy. He could easily put it right back into the goalkeeper, but he actually got it to the far post. And that I think those goals are good shout outs, but here's Zach with the goal, obvious goal of the year. Well, I just want to say before I talk about the goal of the year that if we open this up to
0: a public opinion poll, it would obviously be won by Ali Adnett's Yes, <laughs> um, But uh, no, it's it's obviously Baldissimo's uh belter at bc it was bc place too right yeah it was oh, BC yeah place. yeah um, yeah i think that that and the celebration were both great
4: yeah that was the that was the one that was the free kick where i'd never seen it before but it was for the first the time i saw a tfc player like lying on the ground behind the wall uh, i had never oh, seen that yeah.
1: before i don't know if you guys remember. i, I have that. seen that before i've never actually, seen that before yeah. so
4: that, that was the first for me i was going what the hell is going on here I think I think the first time I saw it was the Champions League final. Oh really? When? How long ago? This year. Oh really? Oh, okay. Which was a month before
0: they did it there. Now everyone in the Bundesliga, if you watch the Bundesliga, like every uh, not every, but most of the teams do it now.
1: I, I I've seen it like going way back. I can't even remember where or when I I like I genuinely don't know if it was locally watching VMSL or if it was something on the T V, but I've definitely definitely seen teams do it. I'm also going for Baldy for for that goal as well. But let us know your nominations. As with all the awards, that is it for our award chat for this episode. We'll be back with some more and some fun ones next week. But we're going to get into the the meat and potatoes now of what end of the season stuff is. Who should stay? Who should go? Who's in? Who's out? Who's on the bubble? Who should we keep? Who should we trade? Who should we release? We've called this a lot over the years, but we'll be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Maxim Kripo from the Vancouver Whitecaps, and you're listening to the EFTN show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the second of this week's Three of a Kind selections. Going back to 2018, just two years away, feels so much longer, doesn't it? That was a song by Swedish punk band, the Viagra Boys, taken from their album Street Worms, and that was Sports. Definitely recommend you checking out the video for that one on YouTube. It's a a fun video. It's a great song. Sports. Can't beat it. Maybe we'll have to start looking at some other sports to cover on on the show now that the Whitecaps season has wrapped up. Although if it's like previous years, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to talk about in the off-season than we sometimes do during the actual season. So like I said, that was the second of tonight's songs following on from part 3's The Girl in the Sweater by the Hardons, that was Viagra Boys with Sports. Have you worked out what the connection could be? If you have, what do you think we're going to kick the next part off with? Find out soon. So we're going to look now at, as I said before the break, the meat and potatoes at the end of the season, where we have to decide. Some players are just, frankly, not good enough to To help the Whitecaps get to where they want to get, which is into the playoffs primarily, and then hopefully start to close the gap against the teams that are above us. MDS has said he feels that this time away, spending so much close proximity with the players, that it, it's actually been great, because he's got to know the players both from an on-the-pitch way, and also what their character and personalities and everything is off the pitch. So I don't know how much of that is going to play into some of the decisions. But you could say it's been a tough season to evaluate some players. MDS disagrees with that. He thinks it's actually been a a season where you'll you'll learn a lot about players with how they've coped with adversity. Because genuinely, who knows what 2021 is going to bring at this stage. We hope for the best. A lot of that could depend on vaccines and rapid testing. So, I mean, everything's up in the air just now. In this part, we're going to look at goalkeepers and defenders. And five goalkeepers on the Whitecaps books for the season. Max Crippot, Thomas Asal, Evan Bush, Brian Meredith and Isaac Bomer. Now, Isaac Bomer, I, I think we'll start with him. If he's going to still be around as the third keeper and you've got the chance to loan him out, I think that would make sense. But then are they going to be wary about doing something like that considering exactly what happened to their goalkeepers this year? But, I mean, he's a young guy that you feel has to get some playing time to develop.
0: Yeah, I I, I have them keeping him as the third keeper and it's just exactly what you said. If it's uh, two things, if it's doable for him to do... Uh, a short-term loan uh, to, for example, uh, the Canadian Premier League, especially somewhere where they know where uh, he would have the opportunity to actually play. Uh, But it could also be recalled should there be a significant injury to one of the other two keepers. That would be the most ideal. Also, I would see him as being uh, the number one and a half or, or number two keeper for the reserve team that's supposed to start up next year. And so that's where I have Bulmer Mm. on on my list. And you want to go one at a time or do you want me to give you my whole
1: list? No, we'll we'll keep with that just now. Um, For goalkeepers, what I'm actually going to do though is I'm going to just throw the other four into the mix and then we'll just have a general goalkeepers discussion. So I'll just quickly kick this off. Max Crippot, I think we all would want to keep him, but there's a question there Will they maybe sell him? I don't think they will. Now, Zach talked about Thomas Hussle in the last part as player to watch, potential young player of the year, everything like that. I think what he showed this year, though, means that he has to play. And I don't know that he'll get the playing time that he really needs to develop here. And I would loan him out. And I know that might not be popular amongst some of the fan base, but I wouldn't keep him here. For 2021. I'd loan him to a CPL team. To be their starting keeper. Much like James Pantemis. Going away with Valor FC. Obviously you don't know what the CPL season is going to look like. For, for one thing. But I would loan him out. And I wouldn't keep him here. I'd keep Kripos number one. Then yeah, I guess you've got a toss up then. Of Bush or Meredith. I'd let Meredith go. And keep Bush. But I know he's on a big ticket. And I know that that's probably not going to happen. But I've been a... I, I've i liked Bush for a while I I like him I like what he's done in the running here I like what he brings to the locker room he's got that experience he's a union rep he's very outspoken in that regard as well I'd be happy to have Crepeau, Bush, Bomer as my three that's on the books loaning out Hassal and letting Meredith go so that that's my selection Steve what have you got
4: um, I have Meredith out for sure. Uh, Boomer obviously stays. Uh, that's clear. Hassal, I think is I think, I think they can find enough playing time. And based on this year, you know that keepers are not uh, a solid like they're not, they're not as durable as people think, especially with the way MLS plays, the way people attack the net. So I would keep Hassal as the backup because I think you're gonna need him eventually and Kripo as your starter, Again, if you're going to sell Carpo, which I agree with you, don't. I don't think it's going to happen based on um, the fact that he's been injured for most of the year. I don't think that's going to happen. So I would keep Grapeau. I think Bush can be used as a pawn to get something else in return. You're talking about um, MLS quality players in other positions. They can get somebody like that for Bush uh, based on what he's shown in the in the rundown from the season as it ended. Are there is there an expansion
1: draft at the end of the year? I don't yeah. remember. That, that's so a good thing to mention, because Austin's coming in next year. Yeah, so I mean, he might
4: leave via the expansion draft. You never know, because he's probably one of the better uh, number two keepers at this point that's not going to be protected.
1: Hey, tell if, you, I'd have Bush as a number one with Austin if you want to add some experience to your back line there. Yeah. But I mean, Zach, your thoughts on that? Yeah,
0: no, I I, I mostly agree with you guys. Like I said, uh, Bomer, I think, needs to be the number three, and then uh, short-term loan or the number two... Uh, on the reserve team. I think Hassal needs to be Vancouver's number two next year, but they're number one for the reserve team whenever it doesn't impact, uh, you know, being on the bench for the first team. Yeah,
1: you also don't know how much that's going to get off the ground. That's my worry about that. Like, you have the best laid plans, and then that doesn't get up and running, and then Hassal's just not got the playing time that he needs. I
0: mean, yeah, obviously you, you can't
1: plan perfectly
0: in a, in a pandemic world, but you think that they'd have a plan by now, for this thing that they've been working on, I think pre-pandemic, um, they would know if it's going to happen, not going to happen, whatever. So, assuming that the reserve league is going to happen and they have faith that it can happen in the ideal way that they're hoping it will, that's what I would. That's what I would do. And then I would have, uh, yeah, I don't know if Meredith has any time left or not. I release him or or trade him or. Uh, mutually agree to end his contract or whatever the best option is there, whatever you can get the most out of there. Uh, and then uh, I would, I would keep Craypo and it's not even so much. I think the, I think they should, I just think they will for two, for multiple reasons. One, like you guys said, I, they can't sell him coming off an injury. He needs to come back from the injury and show that he doesn't have any, uh, you know, lasting effects from it. Um, two, he's cheaper than Bush. So that. Bodes well for him and the and the white caps uh and then uh I can't remember my third or third oh third one was uh like you guys said, I think you can get something for Bush or I don't know if is Bush's right I think Bush's contract is up too, isn't it, Michael but they would hold
1: his rights yeah, it was a, it was a short term thing, so yeah, they would hold his rights, they can yeah. like i mean he might even be entering free agency as well, I think because he's got a lot of time in the league, so I mean there's all that to, to come into it. So, so I, think, I think it's Bomer, Hassal, Crepo. It, it, it sticks with the whole, their whole ethos
0: of trying to have uh, Canadians and Canadian national team players and future Canadian national team players. And uh, it's the cheaper option, I would think. Uh, and then you move on the, the, the two Americans.
1: The only interesting kind of thing to throw in is what we, we mentioned earlier. The Axel had said that, I think it was on the radio, both Bush and Cropot won't be back next year. It'll just be one of them. Now, normally, you'd think he would say, oh, no, Cropot's our number one. He's the guy that's going to be back. Evan's just a short-term thing. Now, that might just be because they didn't want Evan to feel he's just a short-term thing, because when I asked him about that, he said those discussions hadn't been had. But I just thought that was an interesting way of wording it, Zach.
0: No, yeah. And sorry, the one thing I have heard say about Cropot is uh, I think they... They think that they can market him um, because of you know the triple save and it, mm. the record-setting record. stuff from the really bad year. I think they feel like they can market him and he has value in the in the community uh, for them. Um, so that's another reason why they, they think the will him. Yeah, it, it is weird, but again, we don't know what actually has been been when gone on behind the scenes. Uh, someone like Bush can say, "Yeah, we haven't had that conversation." It doesn't mean his agent hasn't had that conversation, right?
4: And, and the thing is, is, is they don't want to acquire a player and say, yeah, he's just temporary. It's not good. It's not good for the fan base to hear that, and it's not good for the player to hear that. So they, they obviously wanted to have an out there. They've even had a conversation with Bush and told him that, you know, we're just, we're just going to say this that this is the case, but we know you're you're a temporary thing. We we don't want to put you out in the public like that. So people don't have that record. So I, I I, really, even when he said it, I put very little into that because I knew mm. that they were going to look at all the options. When they, and at that time, I thought maybe there would be somebody out there that might be interested in crypto, especially in Europe. But
1: now that the season's over, I, I see him coming back for sure, Crypto. I mean, one thing we haven't looked at is there could be a club interested in Hassal. And he could maybe get a, a move somewhere, but... I don't know. We'll talk about that a little bit more, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. Let's move to the defence, the back four, hopefully most of the time, not three at the back. We know that does not work out well from a Whitecaps point of view. Now, the team as a whole, and I know you can't blame all this on the defenders, but 44 goals against. Only teams in the West that's got worse are San Jose and the LA Galaxy. But you look at the defenders... And I think there is a lot that you want to bring back. And it was the same last year when they had a a bad year as well. And it's trying to just balance that. So let's go positionally. We'll start with the full backs. Right back, we only have Jake Nowinski. So I'll just throw this to both of you for a quick thing on that. We'll we'll start with Zach. I mean, I think Jake's back unless you use him as trade bait, which we seem to have said every year. But I think he needs somebody there to, to challenge him.
0: Yeah, def- definitely. My question for you is, do we... Like, G- George is also listed as a right-back, right? Yeah.
1: I, I put George Bilba as a midfielder, but we could talk about about him just now as well. Because I feel if he didn't get any look at all this year, I think it's hard to keep him around and talk about him maybe being involved in the first team. He's a guy that they either need to cut or they need to get him out on loan.
0: Yeah. I I, I I don't think they're going to get rid of Jake as much as I don't think he is uh, unless unless the other ten players on the team are at, at a higher level. I don't think he's going to be your right back on like a top top MLS team. You know what I mean? Um, and so, but the thing is, I don't think they're going to get rid of him. They, they. They like him. I, did he get an award this year or was that last year? Um, I know St-, St. Rickett's got one of the. I think he got the Jock Un- McDonald Unsung Hero Award. Yeah, that's so when he got that. Yeah, they, 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 they really like him. Uh, they, and they think they, I think they think he's also. They think he's marketable. Yeah, and so I
1: mean, MDS talked after the game that he still has a lot to work on in the game, and Jake actually said that himself. He said, "I'm 26 now, but it's like 26 year olds still need to work and develop their game as well." So he knows. Basically, MDS just wants him to be more dynamic attacking. But, I mean, he, he's he's coming back, Steve.
4: Uh, uh, for Jake, I'm not 100% sure. Um, for me, he's like, it would be on the bubble for me, mm-hmm. only because that he might be able to bring something else from some other team, especially, like we said, there's a like, Smash teams coming in. Um, if they could maybe bring in that MLS-type player in another position and improve the right back through a different way, uh, bring in an improvement there and then substitute, like, somewhere else. Uh, that's where they have to play around and see what's, what value does Jake have in the MLS? Like international players, it's hard to trade them. But American players are very easy to trade probably, and you probably get more. Because international players are a dime a dozen, but a solid American starter might not be hard to find. So if they could find a right back, an international right back, and then trade uh, Jake for like an American center back or an American midfielder or a winger or something like that, that might be more beneficial. So it's about balancing that and seeing where you can get. That's a great that's a good I, I I don't
0: I I I want to say I agree with you Steve.
1: Yeah,
0: thank
1: you. Left back. We've got two left backs, Ali Adnan, Christian Gutierrez. I've liked what I've seen from Gutierrez. Ali Adnan is Ali Adnan designated player can be impactful. I don't think they're going to sell him. He might unless he wants to go. I don't think they're going to sell him. So I think both of those guys come back next year. Any disagreement on that?
4: No, I 100% agree, and I think Ali should be used in some games in order to give him like an, almost a mini break, uh, mm-hmm. play him up, up up top so he doesn't have to worry about the defensive responsibility. So more balanced Gutierrez in there, give him more games and rotate it around so you have a, – a, a, you could bring in – let's say, say it's a Dahomey or something playing the left side. So one game, Dahomey plays left, Ali plays left back. Then in maybe uh, once out of every three games, you play Ali up, up there, play Gutierrez as your fullback and have Dahomey on the bench. So kind of rotate that kind of left side so that way everybody stays fresh because we don't know what the schedule is going to be like next year too. We don't know, Yes. uh, are they going to play three games every week and then have a week off? Are they going to be doing that way more often or are they going to be more condensed? Because like you said before, if they start the season later in the year or whatever and if something else happens where it gets shut down, what kind of schedule are they going to come up with at that point?
1: Yeah. I've liked what I've seen from Gutierrez, Zach. And I would even have put him in as one to watch for next year if I thought he was going to get a lot more minutes than I think he probably will get. But I've liked him. He looks very solid.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Gutierrez is, is, is a stay for sure. I think Ad, Ali Adnan, uh, you know, 36-year-old Ali Adnan is someone that you could, um, that could, could could potentially leave. So I guess using the language of this uh, setup, I'd say he's on the bubble. Because he could go, I think if if uh, you know was it his his agent was hanging out with uh, in bombs and yes and all that. Like I think there is going to be, um, I think his agent's going to be looking at least for possibilities or opportunities for him, and so I think there's a at least a chance that that they get offers, and if they get an offer that's too good, I don't think they're going to. Uh, I don't think they're going to uh, say, no, 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 he's staying here, right?
4: No, no, I agree with that. that that's him staying, I think the Whitecaps will want to keep him, but I think if he goes, it's Ali's choice to go or not.
1: Yeah. We'll round this bit off. We're looking at the five centre-backs, and we'll, we won't delve into Godoy and Veselinovic because they've paid transfers fees for them. They're going nowhere. Yeah, they're, they're definitely back. So then we're looking at three. You've got uh, Fashioneri, he was loaned out to Ottawa early this year. I could see another loan for him or if they want to keep him in the mix. And then I think you've got the two real interesting ones, which is Derek Cornelius and Jasser Kamiri. So before I give my thoughts on that, we'll go to Zach for for these two. But what, what's your thoughts on them?
0: Uh, like I've, I think I've shared on the show in the past, uh, MDS is very high on, or sorry, when he brought him in, he was very high on Jasser Kamiri uh he saw a lot a lot of upside in him um it's I, and last year was obviously marred mostly by injury this year has been i think some injury but also marred
1: you know, mostly by injury <laughs>
0: yeah but he's all but yeah by injury but he, and he had a little bit of sparkle uh, of some good moments but he had some things that were like some games that were really really concerning where he was really really poor and um I think because of the injury stuff, I think he's going to be here. But if he is here, I think then you, you maybe need five centre-backs to feel um, more comfortable uh, because of his being prone to injury. Uh, Long term, uh, I guess for the player, I hope that he can live out the, uh, the potential he has and that people like MDS and the Tunisian uh, you know, youth teams and national team have seen in him. But uh, it, it feels a long way – those heights feel a long way away, uh, I think, right, right now. Um, uh, who's the other one again? Derek. The, the, one Derek. Is. Oh, Derek. I think Derek's staying. Uh, Derek, I don't know if he would have a chance to go anywhere or, like, he would have people seeking him um, and he, whatever. But if you're the Whitecaps, I think you want to keep Derek Cornelius. Um, I think it's been a little bit, little bit bewildering to some people how MDS has chosen to use him, um, and so hopefully in next year can be more of a, a normal year or more of a consistent year for the schedule and all that kind of stuff, uh, and then we'll see maybe more what he wants to wants from him and where he fits in, but I think if you're the Whitecaps, he he has to be a stay. I can't I can't see why you would want to why you would want to not have him um, if you're Cornelius if you're not guaranteed is not probably an option, but if you're not maybe promised or given the hope of more playing time, I could see why he would want to move on to somewhere where he would get the playing time.
4: For me, Kearney, I agree a hundred percent with Zach about his points about, you know, it's really, if he wants to stay and, or does he want to move on? But I think the white should want to keep him. I think he's shown enough to warrant a stay Kamiri, I think, will be dependent on how good their film editor is and how many highlights they could have in a package where they could possibly hoodwink a team into breaking even on him. Um, because after two seasons, like I don't see uh, much of a future for him here. Like he, Even when he was healthy, there were moments where he was doing stuff that really, to the bewilderment of his fellow backline mates, uh, that they were probably wondering what he's doing because he constantly broke line where they had to cover for him. and I, I just don't feel like they, that works, really works in MLS.
1: Yeah, very valid points. For me, if I was making the decision, I would bring Cornelius back and I would let Kamiri go. I have a feeling the Whitecaps will do the opposite and I think they'll let Cornelius go and they'll just look to bring in uh, another centre-back. And I think they'll keep Kamiri hanging around. Last question I've got for you in this part. So we've gone through all the defenders and the goalkeepers and we're not making really changes. So that should be concerning, should it not, Steve, considering how many goals they've given up and how bad they looked at times this year.
4: But for me, the biggest changes need to be put in a position that are above those defenders that will make those defenders better. And that's where I think the changes need to be made. Um, I, well, for me, I, they need to improve the, the, one of the full-back positions, either right-back or left-back. The, one, of, They need a better play out of the right-back spot for me, especially attacking and defending. Um, but the the midfield that we're going to talk about next is the key for me that, that yeah. will help solidify this team.
1: I mean, I'd, I'd bring in a right-back and possibly a, a centre-back, Zach. I mean, would you have concerns about the defence next year if they don't really make big changes which going through this it doesn't look like they would be
0: yeah steve's right it's like we've said already in this in this show the midfield is what needs to be sorted out and that will impact um that has a great impact on on the defense and so uh, I, I i do agree with you Michael. They, they need at least one uh starting or potential starting right back for sure and if they're moving any, uh, aside from Fashionary being on loan, if they're moving any of the center backs, they, that, that needs to be replaced. And like I said before, there could be a potential for a replacement for uh, Ali Adnan, whether that's Gutierrez taking a spot and a backup being brought in or someone uh, maybe even better than Gutierrez being brought in.
1: Well, we'll see if the the Whitecaps agree with our decisions on the goalkeepers and the defenders. That is it for this part. We'll be back with the final part of tonight's show, where we have a look at the Whitecaps midfielders and forwards after this.
3: Hi, I'm De St. Ricketts and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
1: Welcome back to the final part of tonight's AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it was the last of this week's three-of-a-kind selection from a Norwegian band. Turbo Negro. So we've had an Australian band, a Swedish band, and now a Norwegian band. We're certainly travelling the world for this week's selection. That was a song from their 2001 album, Ask Cobra. And that was, I Got Erection. So did you manage to work out what the link was? We kicked off part three with the hard-ons and Girl in the Sweater. We kicked off part four with Viagra Boys, Sports. And we kicked off part five, *Turbo Negro, I Got Erection. Hard-ons, Viagra, Erection... Yes, in a week where there's been all this talk about elections, I thought I'd bring you three songs all about erections. Did you manage to work out this week's link? If you did, well done. Give yourself a pat on the back. If you didn't, we'll be back with another three-of-a-kind selection next week. So let's get into the final part of our Whitecaps roster analysis our end, usual end-of-season thing that we do. We're turning our attention to the midfield first, and I've got nine midfielders written down here. That includes Simon Coline, who's basically gone to, to Italy, so I think we can kind of rule him out of the, the discussion. You've got Michael Baldissimo, so he's definitely coming back. We talked about him in the last part. Don't really need to talk about him again. Russell Tybert's not going anywhere. Contract extension. Whether he should or not, it's a whole other discussion, but... Probably no need to, to talk about him either. I'll look at a couple of the young guys first. Patrick Metcalf, saw a little bit of time on the pitch. Georges Mukambilwa, Damiano Pasillo, who made the shortest debut in MLS history today. I think he was on the pitch for a whole two seconds. I was so excited. I was starting to tweet, I'm really glad Damiano's getting a, a run out. And then the referee blew for full time, so I didn't get to do that. Yeah, and the, at-
4: referee, the referee almost made my Villain of the Year award for doing oh. that you almost uh, yes. uh, uh, put, uh, put the person who I had nominated we'll talk about that next yeah week.
1: so um, if you're looking at Paseo Mukambilwa and Metcalf I, I think I would maybe let George go but I know he's quite highly thought of so I mean he needs to get loaned Paseo as well maybe needs to get loaned Metcalf maybe loaned what, what's your thoughts on that Steve
4: um I'm I'm not really concerned too much about those those players right at this point i think that uh they're they're going to be either whether it's them or some other academy players that they sign that will be holding down those final roster spots um in the lineup so i, I it, for them if they stay that's good it's, it's all depending on what mds sees in them and does he see them having a future here if they do, he does because some of them like metcalf some might be considering them being signed because they were so short of midfielders, especially like uh, after the tournament or during the tournament. Because it's not it's uh, sold uh, bomb away at that point, so they were really short. So they needed some players. So I, that's why I'm saying like those kind of things uh, are really up in the air. I, I I almost put them on the bubble. I'm sure one or two of them definitely will be back, but I don't just don't know which ones at this point.
0: Yeah, i i would i would i would agree with Steve, um, but like you said, Michael, if they are kept, they, I think loan possibilities need to be looked at for for all of them. George,
1: can you remind me, Michael? He didn't go to or, uh, the Orlando tournament, right? No, he wasn't able to because of a medical condition. Um, okay. So yeah. That- I mean, ha- that was tough for him. He was really looking forward to going and he might have got a chance on the pitch there. And of course, when I'm talking about loan deals as well, we should always keep in our mind that there is going to be this MLS reserve team. So they are going to get a run out here. So we do need players for that. But when I'm talking about loans, I am more thinking that this might not get off the ground for the Whitecaps next year, depending on border. But yeah.
0: Oh uh, Yeah, for sure. Because I think all three of those guys would play in the reserve team Definitely. for sure. Um, the health thing for George that's all sorted like that as far no, as I
1: know yeah it's all, it's all good
0: um, because yeah it was disappointing not to see when, when we found out he wasn't going and that he hasn't really had much of a uh, feels like he hasn't had much of a chance in the first team at all so um, I would like to maybe the reserve thing is the perfect opportunity to see uh, what what he can do yep. uh, but yeah it, it does feel like they there maybe needs to be because he's a little bit older, right? Like he's even older than Baldissimo, right? So it feels like they need to decide whether or not they want to they're going to use him or not. Like if you're him, you probably
1: want to know, like, hey, what's going on? But yeah, I mean, if they don't, he'll certainly get snapped up by a CPL team. I, I think that goes without saying. There's there's three midfielders really for us to talk about, and I'm going to lump two of them together, which is Bakel and Awusu. But before we get to that, want to start with Andy Rose, and we'll start with Zach. Do you bring him back? Man of experience versatile, can play a number of positions, good locker room leader. Uh,
0: yeah, for sure. Because I think all three of those guys would play in the reserve team, Definitely. for sure. Um, the health thing for George, that's all sorted? Like that As far no, as I know, yeah, it's all, it's all good. Um, because, yeah, it was disappointing not to see when, when we found out he wasn't going and that he hasn't really had much of a... uh feels like he hasn't had much of a chance in the first team at all. So, um, I would like to... Maybe the reserve thing is the perfect opportunity to see uh, what, what he can do. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it, it does feel like they, there maybe needs to be, because he's a little bit older, right? Like he's even older than Baldissimo, right? So it feels like they need to decide whether or not they want to, they're going to use him or not. Like if you're him, you probably want to know, like, hey, what's
1: going on? But yeah. Well, if we look at Iwusu, he did not play. In the last game against the Galaxy, because he was over in Ghana getting paperwork sorted, so I think that might indicate that he's definitely coming back. But one one thing about Rose too, I forgot to mention this: if if, if there is a chance for him to come back,
4: if he's going to be placed as, as like the fifth or fourth running uh, center back, if they want to bring him back as a center back, then he could come back. I don't see that happening, but I've seen crazier things.
1: I mean, Zach, let's look at Bakel and Owusu for you then, before I give my thoughts on this, would you bring both of them back? One of them back? Neither of them back?
0: I, I think they're going to bring both of them back. Partly because I think their deals are guaranteed for more than one year. Uh, and I don't know that you could... I don't know there'd be a high demand to move them within the league and moving outside the league. I think it's probably not an option, especially in a pandemic world. Um, so I think they're both going to be back, which is again why one of the reasons why I think you if Rose is out of the contract, you don't do anything to bring him back. Um, but I, I, they do need to make some drastic upgrades. So, like, if you bring both of them back, the player who replaces Rose is maybe that DP number 10 type midfield general uh, or, you know, whatever, you know, maestro a la, a la Valeri or whoever, you know, you were talking about before. Um, and if you do that, then I still think you need an upgrade on those guys. Um, but maybe that comes, maybe that comes in by adding a, a, another. Like maybe if you the number ten is more considered an attacker then maybe the rose position is is the box to box guy they need. Mm. But I mean, sorry, I, sorry I, there's a difference for me what I think they're gonna do and what they should do. Because let, oh, yes. let, me, let me let me splice that. That's what I think they're gonna do. I think they're gonna keep probably two of those. Actually, they're probably gonna keep Rose because I think they like him. But um, I think let's say they, they keep those two guys. What I, what I think they should do is they should bring in probably three new midfielders that are starters, a six and eight and a ten. Yeah. Um, but that, I don't see that happening.
4: No, I see them bring at least two. I, I, what I always do is I go by what they should do because what they, what they
1: are going to do is sometimes too depressing. What I'm looking at is if MDS is talking about bringing in three to four key additions, We've got 29 guys on the roster, so we have to move some of them out. And you're starting to look at this roster and you're going, well, who's moving out? So unless they've got a bit of wiggle room with the MLS Reserve League and the homegrown guys and they can free up some spots that way, I mean, you have to look at the midfield as an area that that could get cut along with with centre-backs. But obviously you still need to have some decent centre-backs on on your books. But then again, that's where Rose can come in as your kind of fifth centre-back maybe or fourth centre-back. I'd I'd bring Andy Rose back, I I personally would, because I just think his versatility is going to be needed if the team's in a crisis, I actually have him pegged as maybe moving into a coaching role at some point with the Whitecaps, it's something I've spoken to him about and he'd be interested down the line, get him involved with the academy, get him to kind of do something like that maybe, I mean, who knows, Um, so there's that.
4: The thing is you're talking about the getting like you have to unload players. Remember the goalkeeper position you're probably going to lose two players right there. Oh, yeah, so that true. opens up two roster spots right there. Well,
1: <laughs> yes. you
4: don't normally lose two players and don't have to add anybody and you you're still you're you know you you lose two players and you still have the right number of players in the lineup. Yeah. So yeah, we had ended up with five goalkeepers on the final <laughs> roster.
1: I mean, Bikel and Awusu, neither of them have impressed me enough this year to bring back. My big concern with Bikel is the number of cards that he picks up, and I don't know that we can uh, afford to to keep getting him doing that. But I think he's better than Awusu for me. Uh, I don't know. I I just I don't particularly like either. And if I was really having a choice, I'd bring neither of them back. I I it's hard to judge
4: you this year because it's been uh, really yeah. nuts and everything like that. The thing is, is if I remember correctly, Awusu played. Really well when he was playing alongside Inbaum. Um I thought he played better then. Once bomb left, his play did go. On. So maybe having better, uh, better midfielders to play with will improve his play. That's my only thing that where I would give a little bit of an edge to him. But they're for me they're so even. The one thing about Bakel is that he does have the versatility to play right back. Yes, at a pitch, so you, you could use him as because both of these guys for me at this point are not at the starting capacity, they're really off the bench, guys. Because I do think, I like what Zach said before, you might need two two or three starters. For me, one of the starters is Baldissimo. So you need two starters, and then you have guys on the bench.
1: Yeah. Let's move, finally, onto the forward line. And just for the sake of this, I've put the likes of Dahomey, Malinkovic, uh, Reposo, in with forwards. Just all attackers. I've got seven altogether. So we know Kava is coming back unless he wants to move on or someone comes and make a bid for him. That's unlikely he's coming back. So he's here. Ricketts signed his contract extension for next year. Just to touch on Ricketts though, I was surprised how little he was really used this year. I think he could have been used a lot more and a lot more effectively.
0: Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think in a more normal season, um, I think like obviously the the rest of the, rest of the roster is different. But he was so effective at TFC in this league, yeah. right? And obviously, he had far superior service, and he was uh, like usually coming in and running at tired legs. But I think the, the Whitecaps could use him in that. In a, I think they can get more out of him than, than they have been so far uh, in a similar way that TFC did, even without the, the powerhouse of a squad that, 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 that TFC has in comparison to Vancouver.
4: Yeah, I think he's the ideal backup for a guy like Cavallini. I don't think he's I, – I really wish they would not put him on the wing as much. I think he's. he'd be – if Cavallini in the 70th, 80th minute has a, a tired, maybe they're defending the lead even, he'd be a really good player to bring in there. So uh, – so what? I don't get it. Oh, uh, so defending, I, the, defending a lead? What? Like having a guy that can run at the – It can at, happen. Oh, oh, that's what you're talking about. So well, they they were defending a lead today, weren't they? Uh, So, um, so, so, and in
1: all nine of their wins,
4: yeah. So they were. So he's a guy that can actually like run at the midfielders, disrupt play, and stuff like that. uh, So I think he has definitely has value as being that backup for Cavallini.
0: They survived the most dangerous lead in football today.
1: True, and added to it, Christian Dahomey, I think we all know he he's coming back and hopefully we can see the best of him now that he's fully settled with his family which must i mean it must have been a terrible time for him I, he stopped diving as much as well so that that's a that's a plus theo Baer, do you both have him coming back
4: i think it's it's really a matter of fit at this point um do they see him as a winger do they see him as a striker um he's still fairly young um he's not that old but he definitely I think he's got the stuff to play striker. It's a matter of whether they want to put him in that position because he's had moments where he's he's shown that he can make moves and create his own shot, but it's not a consistent level right now. He's got
0: moves like Jagger. No, he uh, – if you're Theo Barry, you got to uh, – I think you read the writing on the wall, and you, you want to move somewhere else. You want to go somewhere where you're going to be able to play more, even if it's not at the MLS level, and so – Even if it's uh, – I don't know if you want to go to the CPL at this point or yet um, or whatever. I think think you should
4: go to the lower German leagues right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think if he could go to a a, a lower league in Europe and try to make a breakthrough there, I think that would be more enjoyable for him as a player and would probably be a better experience than what he's had these last – well, this year for sure – uh and last year yeah last year was the second year right this is his third year so yeah these last two years i don't think it's been very enjoyable for him i think
4: he should go to that belgium team that uh, jonathan david uh, was on yeah
1: i think why not they, they might they might feel like that there's another
4: canadian player that maybe develop
1: and make money off of so why not i didn't want to lead you guys by saying anything before i mentioned that but i i just think bear is going to go whether it's from the white caps releasing them out right or selling him, because obviously they're going to want to try and recoup some of his, his development fees and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't think Theo will be on the team next year. Which brings us to another young Canadian, Ryan Raposo, who started strong, disappeared off the face of the earth, got a few runouts. And he's another one that I don't quite get how he was used, because I think he could have been used a lot better than he was. Yeah, he had moments, especially early on. And the thing is
4: what really surprised me was, especially during the MLS back his back tournament, they didn't seem to put him in there. And I thought there were like a lot of defenders that might have been tired in those later games playing in that kind mm-hmm. of environment where a guy, a fast guy like Raposo could have really taken advantage of. And he was never put in those positions. So it was very odd to me their, their selection process of why they didn't put him in there. Because even if you think he's not as good as the players you have on the pitch, he, he's, he's rested. He has the he has this, uh, legs to possibly get something going.
0: Uh, I mean, Michael, I agree with both of you that it felt like he wasn't used enough this year, especially in a year where you're playing with a congested schedule the way they were. It felt like he was the kind of player you needed to bring on to run at players uh, and to uh, try and open up games or get them back into games or help them uh, counter in games where they were leading or whatever. And so it it was, it surprised me they didn't use him more. Cause I, I I agree with you, Michael, he was quite effective uh, earlier on in the the season and definitely in the preseason. Like you said earlier, set up the goal away to uh, help set up the goal away to the galaxy. And yeah. So I think, um, I think, do do you see him back? Yeah. I think if we're talking about, uh, I, I do see him back. Um, uh, unless they need to free up, like like we are talking before, and they need to free up a spot to bring in a difference maker. Otherwise, I think you bring him back because he's got to be
4: a not... He's Generation Adidas, right? Or, no, right? I don't think he's Generation people. Adidas. I'm almost yeah. sure he's not.
1: Anyways, I'm he's not, sure not on on He beat. was taken really early, so he might... But be. he's I mean, not
4: on a high ticket either, so it's not like he's yeah, costing yeah.
1: that much against the cap.
4: Yeah. I uh, the, the thing is, they have enough players to get rid of in order... He's one of those guys that they could develop into a role player. Yeah. And being somebody strong off the bench, even if yeah, it's not, if not, if it wasn't enough this year, maybe next year he'll be able to take up that role. So yeah, I, I, think I hope you, I he's think back.
0: You, yeah, there's other players in the forward positions that I think they'll they'll get rid of. So
1: yeah, I, I I don't see him and Bear back. I think it's one or the other, and I think it'll be Ryan that that they'll keep for at least another year just to have a look at him. So Montero, does anyone think he's actually going to be back? How many years left on his contract? One month. Okay. So no, no.
4: Then he's not I, unless he takes a massive pay cut, it's not going to happen.
1: He's another guy that I think would be a good fit for like Austin in the expansion draft.
0: Yeah, all the, all the gam. They can use all the gam to buy him down.
1: It it went so well for Cincinnati to get all those former Whitecaps, so why not
4: Austin <laughs> try to?
1: So that brings us to our last one then, David Malinkovic. He's here on loan from Hull City. He's had flashes. He seems to really like working with MDS. Whenever he's had any big contribution, he runs straight over to, to hug MDS on the bench. I, I I'm on the fence about him. It's like he's one of those guys that's definitely on the bubble. I could see them bringing him back. I could see him doing well. Has he shown enough for you though, Steve, to make that that move?
4: Yeah, no, I I he's kind of on the bubble for me right now. Um uh, only especially considering he's on a lone player. Like you, do, you can make that you know final choice. He might be in his final year with Hull City as well. So if if, if that's the case, if it's a free transfer, then maybe you do bring him back. Um, mm-hmm. But if he's not, then if it's going to cost you money, then definitely not worth the investment there.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. There's no way they're paying a transfer fee. Yeah, Milinkovic.
1: I he's not been consistent enough, but he has shown glimpses. Could he be better? If we have a number ten and a better midfield, I don't know. I'm really torn. If he comes back, great. If he doesn't come back, great. He's just one of those guys. I'm, um, yeah. Is he? Is he? You can include
0: this? If you want. Is he this year's Venudo or Bangura? Mm. No, I think he's well, been better. I think he's yeah. been better than
4: them. Yeah. Those guys were really like off and on. Like the, this year, Milinkovic has shown more than those guys did.
1: Yeah. I mean, in, in future shows in the coming weeks, we'll talk about the whole scouting of the Whitecaps because it does feel like some of it has not been great and whether this can improve. We'll also hear like from MDS and from Axel Schuster over the, the coming weeks as well, just about their plans for the off-season. But that is it for our, our chat around who should stay, who should come back. Let us know your thoughts on who you feel should come back and who should go. We've had a lot of feedback on Twitter, I'm going to save that though for next week's show, but we still have time to bring you this week's Wavelength, and I'm pretty sure it's a song that everybody, not even just the majority, but everybody's probably going to hate this, it's a difficult listen, so you might want to fast forward three minutes, it's by British metalcore band Bring Me The Horizon. It's a song from their second album, Suicide Season. I've been saving it for this very moment. We get to bring you it tonight. It's called Football Season Is Over. me the horizon there, football season is over, hopefully you still have some speakers in place, I did warn you, it is metalcore it's very loud some may say unlistenable, I know Mike Mead that will be listening will but there we go, I just wanted to play that it seemed great to sum up our anger at just missing the playoffs, that is it for this week's show, before we go just let everyone know where they can find you online, starting with yourself
4: Steve you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat.
0: For me, it's at Zachary AM. And time flies when you're having fun. Yes,
1: this, this show, as usual, got a little bit away from us or away from me. That's what happens. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. If you have any interest in Scottish football, check out our East Fife podcast. Glory Days of Gold, you can find that on the Scottish AFTN, aftn aftn.co.uk, and as always, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to get to a thousand, we're way off that. But subscribe if you can, and turn on notifications, so if we do any live shows in the coming weeks, you'll know when they go live. But thanks everyone for taking part tonight, thanks everyone for listening, until next time, take care, and mawn the caps.